and welcome to episode 73 of the So Video Games podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we're playing it, we will be talking about it. Today, we are recording on March 13th, 2018. My name is Corey Motley. I am a staff writer at GameCritics.com, and I am 50% of this show. Joining me, as always, is Brad Galloway. He is the editor of Game Critics. How are you, Brad? I am doing fine, my friend. Uh, we just wrapped up in a very rousing uh, episode of Banter, and we got some great games to talk about today. I am super psyched. I am so excited, too. I mentioned this in Banter already, but because this is, like, the first thing people are going to hear, um, for the past, like, couple of months, I feel like I've been, like, scraping by on, like, an hour of play on like a couple of games and I've been like nervous about what I'm going to talk about every week, but I have, I've been playing so many games this week that I'm like really pumped about being able to sit down and talk about all these games. We're going to be doing a little bit of like a developer spotlight bit later. So I am very pumped about this episode. I am equally pumped. Good. Well, what do you want to start with? I suspect I know, but I will let you take the lead. Well, before we jump into games, I have a bunch of little odds and ends um, just to kind of... It's not housekeeping so much. It's just like a list of things I'd like to mention if we can take a few minutes to do that. Oh, is this unscripted? Unscripted. Oh, I, boy. Uh, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Going off the rails right off the bat, folks. Strap in. Strap in. Uh, first off, I want to give a shout out to the people who have sent us uh, pictures. In the last episode, we mentioned that we wanted people who listen to the show to send us a picture of where they listen to the show, like... Are you driving to work in your car? Are you on a train? Are you on a bus? Are you at home? Uh, like, if you live around the world, send us a picture. What do you see out your window? You know, we've had uh, pictures from all over the place. And I really have been really excited about these. I think it's really cool. Um, and I really want to keep it going. So if you're listening to the show and you're a fan and you haven't sent in a picture of what you see outside your window, please send us one. You can email it to us. You can send it to us on Twitter. Uh, I just kind of want to know, like, how far the show goes and who's listening. That's really cool. Um, so thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone who has sent in pictures so far. It's been really awesome, and each one is like a total treat. So really would like to keep that going. I've been meaning to look up like like uh, uh, world map, like banners on uh, like on Amazon or something, because like I pretty like th those can't be that expensive. So I'm like pretty legitimately like interested in like putting one up in the wall in my office and putting little like, tax on from our people send us pictures yeah dude we totally got to do that we totally got to do it we've only been doing it for weeks so we're still building up uh places to tack but we are we got to keep this going we're gonna get some momentum get some more tax and it's gonna be super fun i'm looking <laughs> forward to it um so thank you again to everybody who sent in and if you haven't sent one in please send one in uh also just a really quick shout out uh to a i mean i guess this is not really like an advertisement i mean we're not being paid or anything and we don't like shill for people but uh, there's a new campaign on Fig, which is kind of like Kickstarter, except for not. Uh, do you know? Are you familiar with Fig, Corey? Fig, tell me, what is it? It's okay. So it's basically like Kickstarter, but the difference being the people who are in charge of Fig, which I think is primarily Tim Schafer and a couple other people who oh, he's friends okay. with. Yeah, keep going. Yeah, yeah. So they they curate the projects that they are going to put on this thing. It can't. It's not just anything. It's like. It's like these guys will live together and they will look at games that need funding and they'll be like, you know, what seems like it has a good shot? What looks like a good game? You know, what is going to be 
uh, a good thing that we can connect with as a brand. And also, this is also the one where you can either contribute if you want to just have the game made or you can invest. So like if you actually put in a certain amount of dollars, you can become like an actual investor in the game. So if the game gets made and then it goes on to sell retail, you will actually earn a percentage of those profits back if you are one of those type of investors. So it's, it's kind of like Kickstarter, same general concept, but they are different in the details. Um, they've had a number of uh, cool projects, but the one that I want to talk about really quickly is called Pig Eat Ball, which is being made by <laughs> Mommy's Best Games, who is uh, headed by Nathan Fouts, uh, who is uh, a personal friend of mine. So full disclosure, personal friend of mine, Nathan Fouts. He's a great guy. Uh, he has been uh, doing his own stuff at Mommy's Best Games for a number of years. Uh, I've played a lot of his stuff. I'm really a fan of his gameplay and his sense of humor. He just, I mean, I get him and I get what he's doing. And every game that he makes, I think is really fun. Um, and he also was did some work on the Ratchet and Clank series back in the day. And he's worked at some other places. He was an insomniac, I'm pretty sure, for a while. So anyway, Nathan is a great guy. Uh, his wife is absolutely lovely, too. She's lovely as well. I met her. Um, he's doing Piggy Ball, which is kind of like a top-down sort of like a Pac-Man-ish sort of a thing where you play a pig and you like eat stuff and you, uh, it, it's very arcadey in that sense. Um, you eat a certain amount of things and then you can like vomit after a while and you kind of grow in size if you eat certain things. I mean, it's a really kooky, offbeat, bizarre game. It's really tough to describe um, without actually watching it in motion. But I just wanted to let people know that Nathan's a great guy. He's getting his project off the ground. He's been working on this for several years. I really want to see this get made because I want to play it and I know that Nathan's a guy who deserves to uh, get his project made. So Pig Eat Ball is now on Fig. I think it just started its campaign like today. Uh, I contributed it to myself. So again, full disclosure, I actually put money towards this project, uh, just so you know. Uh, and I hope that you will too go over to Fig and check it out if you are so inclined. What else do I have to say? Oh, okay. Uh, also, congratulations to Warframe. We haven't talked about Warframe for a while because I, I took a short break so we could play other games. I played Monster Hunter and I had a couple of review games. Uh, still playing Warframe, though. Going to come back to it. Still love it. Uh, they actually are celebrating a five-year anniversary uh, this year, which is a pretty big milestone for a lot of games these days. And one of the numbers that I thought was quite interesting was they have 38 million registered users. That is huge. That is huge. Even if those people only played a couple times, I mean, to have that many people try your game is phenomenal. And I'm, I don't know what the active users are. I didn't check uh, the rest of the data, but... Uh, they have a very strong base. I mean, they're having a war a Warframe convention. I think their third or fourth one in a row this year in Canada. I mean, they had a bunch of new expansions coming out, new content all the time. Warframe is still very much vital and active and alive. But congratulations to uh, Digital Extremes and Warframe on five years and 38 million registered users. That is phenomenal. How much are these people paying you to talk about these topics, Brad? Not enough, because I still have to go to work. I'm hoping if I keep this up, they will the checks will start rolling in. Not not quite yet, though. One more quick thing. Um, your favorite topic, Corey. This is right up your alley. Oh, no. What is it? Nintendo Direct. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> I, have a, I have a... Let me tell you about... Okay, so I know that you're going to do, like, the actual news coverage on this, because, like, last night... Like, full disclosure, Brad messages me on Twitter last night, and he's like hey, like, Nintendo Direct happened. We should probably, like, talk about this a little bit on the show. And I was, like, about to get in bed thinking, like, great. Like, I'm not going to have time to watch this thing. And so, you know, before before going to bed and then getting up and going to work and then coming home and podcasting. And so today when I get home from work, 
I was like, you know what? I'll just get on YouTube. I'll try to find like one of those like, oh, Nintendo Direct in like 10 minute videos that has everything kind of like whittled down to the highlights while I was eating lunch because I didn't have, I couldn't like scroll through an article while I was eating lunch because I was stuffing my face with a burger from Five Guys. So I like get on YouTube and I type in like Nintendo Direct and it, the search engine comes up with like all these old Nintendo Directs. So then I type in like Nintendo Direct like three eight uh, eighteen or like whatever the date was for it, and I swear to fucking god, every video that came up on YouTube was some stupid fucking white boy who had like posted like a reaction video to like the whole <laughs> conference, and yes. I was like, I even typed in, I was like Nintendo Direct shorts or like nintendo direct five minutes and it was like every single fucking video on youtube that came up was like a stupid reaction video and all i wanted was like a short and sweet video that would break down the news that would tell me what happened while i was enjoying my five guys burger and my cajun fries and i could not find it because youtube's algorithm is so fucking dumb yeah, that's a problem, dude. That's a problem. Uh, I had the same problem, so I just stuck with the original Nintendo website because they had it uh, bullet-pointed pretty well, so I could just kind of pick and choose after a quick scan. So I didn't bother with any videos because I had the exact same problem. I couldn't find anything that was worth watching. I don't know who has all this free time. Who has time to watch all these fucking bullshit videos where <laughs> it's you're watching somebody watching something else? How fucked up is that? Like, <laughs> How much time do you have? I don't have that much time. How do you have this much free time? Is your life that empty? Like, I don't know what's going on. So I don't have time for that. It sounds like you don't have time for that. Um, so whatevs. Anyway, I feel like as a weekly show, we we kind of have an obligation to talk about whatever news bits pop up. Uh, I know you're not the biggest Nintendo fan. Um, I'm actually not the biggest Nintendo fan, but I figured whatever. It's, we're doing a weekly show. We need some content. So as much as I love the Switch, and boy, do I love my Switch. I am, I am on board for the Switch. So uh, don't let anybody get the wrong idea here. Uh, despite the fact that I'm not a big fan of Nintendo, I do love what they've done with the Switch. I, I use it, play it every day. So, uh, in light of that, a lot of the news that they announced for this Direct, not really super exciting. <laughs> I'm guessing you're probably not going to be too excited either. Um, no, so <laughs> no. I mean, I don't... Uh, true story, though. I don't have a Switch, and I've said on the show like five times that I think about buying one. And, like, I got paid on Friday, and the thought crossed my mind like very heavily that I was like you know like I could probably go out and buy a switch this weekend and like not really have like a bunch of like financial fallout from it like I can probably handle that and then I ordered a new lens for my camera instead oh man well I mean you know good call because <laughs> lenses are good and you're doing the photography thing so that's super Super relevant, but it's funny because I was actually a couple days ago thinking about I should probably start trying to talk you into getting a Switch soon because <laughs> I feel like it has reached the critical mass where I feel like um, if you are like me, who is not really a big fan of the core Nintendo stuff, but you do like indies, I feel like there's a lot to choose from on the Switch right now. I have a backlog on the Switch right now of stuff that I could play, and there's even more stuff that I haven't bought. So there's actually plenty of non-Nintendo branded stuff that's coming in and more every day. Like the indies are flocking to this thing and a lot of it really um reasonably priced i know that some people were talking about the the switch tax which actually is a thing i'm seeing a lot of old games show up on the switch for like ten dollars more than they would be anywhere else for no good reason um but a lot of the ones that i've been picking up lately that are the indies like really cheap two three four five eight dollars really affordable for small um 
unusual experiences that you probably wouldn't find anywhere else, uh, not even on PS4, because they they seem to be a lot less indie friendly these days than they used to be. Still still friendly, but less so. Um, I feel like Switch is really where it's at right now for console-based indies. So I was going to talk to you about this, sir. Not to put pressure on, but I think that if you were swinging that way, you wouldn't be wrong to pick one up. I feel like it is past that critical mass where... You know, like you want to wait to get like five good games before you buy a console or something like that. Like for me, the Xbox One still hasn't crossed that threshold, but I have an <laughs> Xbox One. But the Switch has has passed that by quite a margin. Like I feel very comfortable recommending it now. Plenty of stuff for everybody. Anyway, getting off track. So think about think about it. If you if you want to get one, I say go for it. So Nintendo Direct, they announced a bunch of stuff. I got to be perfectly honest with you, dear listeners. I didn't give a shit about most of it. So. Um, <laughs> They announced a new Smash Brothers. I don't care about Smash Brothers. Do you care about Smash Brothers? I do not care about Smash Brothers. I don't care about it. Uh, a lot of people care about it. A lot of people were very excited. I mean, I, there was videos of, like, fanboys fainting and shit like that. Uh, whatever. I mean, good on you. It's coming this year. FYI. Smash Brothers is a new one. We all knew it was coming. There you go. Uh, one thing that I am somewhat interested in. Did you ever play Splatoon or Splatoon 2? I have never. I mean, I know exactly what they are, but I haven't played them. Okay, so I played the first Splatoon. I really liked the single-player content, which is something that nobody ever talked about. There was actually an entire campaign where you could play single-player. You go through these different environmental challenges where you use your ink gun and turn into a squid to, like, get through these different, you know, platforming challenges. I thought it was really fun. I really liked the single-player content a lot. I was not a fan of the multiplayer, and that seems to be what everybody's talking about, just because I just think that kind of competitive multiplayer is not fun for me, but... Uh, I enjoyed the story mode. I heard that the story mode in Splatoon 2 was kind of the same thing, but I didn't hear anybody talking about it, so I figured I would pick it up at some point later on. But they have just announced, I don't know if you're up on this, Corey, but in the f- in the second game, they introduced a new character. So instead of the kids being squids, one of the kids was actually an octopus. And that octopus girl got crazy fan love. Like, she was the new fan favorite. Everybody was on her tip. She had this very cute little hairdo that was like an octopus tentacle. She looked really neat and just appealing. I mean, whatever you think of that game, I mean, I think the visual style is pretty appealing. They're pretty on point with their 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 branding and stuff. So they just announced they're going to have single-player DLC starring this octopus character. They're going to be adding 60 new levels for single-player on top of the single-player that's already there. So that, to me, sounds pretty good. I would jump in for that uh, because I did think single-player was really good. So that's coming soon, and I think the octopus chick looks really cute. Uh, also, coming for 3DS this year, have you heard of Detective Pikachu, Corey? I have. Have you seen the videos? No. So I people told me about this, and I didn't believe it until I watched the video. And it is actually legitimately a true thing that it's a detective story. I don't quite understand how you play this game mechanically, but there's a, a kid who has a Pikachu who wears like a deerstalker cap like Sherlock Holmes. And this Pikachu talks, and he's like, Hey, Billy, we need to go find the clues for this thing. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Pikachu, if you've ever seen Pikachu, he goes, he goes, Pika, Pika. You know, that's all he says on the cartoon and in the game. And now he's got this long voice and he's talking about solving crimes. And we're going to go get this thing, get the Charizard, get this. I'm like, what? What's going on? Why is he talking like that? He literally talks like that. I don't, it, I don't get it. I don't get it, but it looks interesting. I got a 3DS that's not being used. So I will check this out when it comes out. Detective Pikachu. Really fucking bizarre, but I like bizarre, so maybe I'll check that out. <laughs> um, the only other thing to mention, just real briefly, we talked about uh, Dark Souls getting a remaster. 
uh, last episode or the episode before coming to PS4, Xbox One, and also the Switch. I don't think that I would want to play it on the Switch. Uh, but they also announced an amiibo of Solaire, which is uh, probably the most popular character, a supporting NPC character from Dark Souls. Uh, and they announced the amiibo the day that they did the Nintendo Direct, and it immediately sold out like 34 seconds after they announced it at the Nintendo Direct. So if you didn't know about this, sorry to tell you, but it's too late because they're already sold out. You missed your chance. It's gone because I heard about it the day the Nintendo Direct came out and I went to GameStop later that night to see if I could get one. Gone. Instantly gone. It was like less than two hours after the Direct. So they're only being sold at GameStop. From what I can tell, all the pre-orders are gone. Nothing left. I, I sent a message to um, Namco Bandai to see what they were going to do about this because I'm sure that a lot of people who would want one didn't even know that they were even a thing and now they're gone, which seems really unfair. Especially since a thousand of them are going to show up on eBay for a hundred bucks each the next day, right? So uh, they had no official comment on that. So I guess, I mean, if you can find one, grab it. It's going to be really rare, going to be in demand. Seems like it's already sold out. So heads up that the Solaire Amiibo is a thing if you swing that way. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I mean, other than that, you probably have to pay scalper prices on eBay. So <laughs> anyway, um, any of that stuff at all interesting? I'm guessing probably not. Uh, no, you know, you know me. None of that stuff is interesting for me. I figured, I figured, I figured we should just mention it. Give it a little tip of the hat on the show. Um, so that's all I've got right now, man. We should probably get into games, Chad. Did you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? Uh, I think you should go first. <clears throat> all right. So full disclosure, people. I have been playing some games for review. Not uh, one's for review. One was not review, but both were under embargo, and I wasn't sure I was going to be able to talk about them. Um, so my game shed may be a little bit light this week. Whenever I do play an embargo game, it kind of takes away time from other things. Um, so one thing I cannot talk about, but I will talk about one a little bit later on. In the meantime, I want to bring to your attention a game called Shacked. S-H-A-C-H-T. Is that Shacked. actually how you pronounce it? <clears throat> I guess. I mean, it seems like it's a seems like it's a German word, I'm guessing. I'm not a linguistics expert. Uh, I don't know where this game is from. I don't know what... Sh I mean, I, if I had taken more than one second to do any fucking research, I probably could have looked it up on Google. <laughs> so, video games, typical behavior. We don't research jack shit in the show. Surprise! Um, I don't know what I don't know what it's about. It's called Shacked, S-H-A-C-H-T. I saw it pop up on PSN like two weeks ago. I heard nothing about it. It looked really weird. And uh, at some point during uh, my Twitter scanning, I heard somebody say that it was fucking hard and bullshit and awful. So I'm like, <laughs> okay, this sounds like my jam then. <laughs> so what this game is, uh, is it's a third person platformer but you're like you're like running it's like a running game so it's all about um navigation and uh traversal but kind of in like a really reflex based way you start off the game with a character who's kind of weird like i, I kind of dig the look of it it's like it's really kind of a weird like techno weird noir your guy has like a metal box for a head and he's got some like cyber stuff on him and it looks kind of like i don't know dystopian in a way but i kind of dig the look of it like I, it kind of looks looks pretty neat um, so you start the game and every level is just like these really abstract places. There's like platforms, there are walls you can do wall runs on, there are little grappling hook points that you can grapple hook onto, there are force fields that you can activate and deactivate with the push of a button, 
And all it is is you're just doing these runs. So it's really performance-based. It's almost like an infinite runner in a certain way where the whole point of it is not really to finish the game. It's just to like go on a really, as long of a run as possible. And it really tests your reflexes. Like you start running and at first it's no big deal, but then like, it's like you have to jump and then you'll have to hit the wall and do a wall run. And then from the wall run, you have to do like a grapple hook. And then when you swing off the hook, you'll have to deactivate a platform or else you'll um, hit on it. And then like, once you pass through, then you reactivate it so you can uh, move on to the next section and you kind of go back and forth. It's really, really strongly reflex based. And if you are not great with reflexes, you're not going to get very far in this game because it gets hard really quickly. Um, I mean, I think I've got pretty good reflexes, um, even at my advanced age and, uh, <laughs> going through, like I could, I could do a fairly good run, but when it started to have me do like two or three or four things in really rapid succession, I started to stumble a little bit. So it's very tough. I heard some people kind of describing it as like, um, I don't know, just like something as like really unfair and really, um, like one of those games that you punish yourself with, like it's just, it's actively intentionally supposed to be like really nut crushing and just to kind of, um, you know, give yourself a hard time because you are a masochist like that. I don't, I'm not really that kind of person and I don't think it's that hard. I mean, I think it's difficult, but it doesn't feel punishing to me. It just makes me feel like, oh, I should really drink some coffee before I play this or, oh, I should really, <laughs> you know, I should really practice or I should get a good night's sleep before I play this because if your, your reflexes are slow, it's really going to take away from your performance. But I mean, there's not a lot to it. There's like a lot of daily challenges. There's like a weekly challenge, but there's no campaign. Like there's no end to, there's nothing to finish, you know, like it's just the sheer mechanical pleasure of playing this and experiencing like just the, the tactile sensation. So um, not usually my cup of tea because I like games that you can finish and games that have a point, but I, I gotta say it does feel good to control the character. Like they've got it pretty well tuned to where he does what you want him to do when you want him to do it. And you can kind of intuitively kind of feel it out where you get a sense of like how fast he's going, how the momentum kicks in when you want to land on a certain platform, like you can usually land on it. Like it doesn't feel like you're going too fast or too slow. Um, I mean, I don't know how other people feel about it, but I felt like I connected with it in a, in a physical way pretty quickly. And so I got a really good sense of the character, which helps because it, there's so many like tough challenges, but um, you know, I've been firing it up like once or twice a day, not playing for very long, maybe like 10 or 15 minutes, do two or three runs and just, just enjoy jumping and swinging and wall running and jumping and swinging and wall running and just kind of just just the the, the act of doing it i think is kind of pleasant enough that i've really been uh putting um some pleasant time into it so it's not anything that's really big it's not a big project it's not something that i would like celebrate from the rooftops and it's probably pretty niche because <laughs> i don't know how many people would really want to get into something like this but if you want something to kind of just like chip away at five minutes here ten minutes there and just really enjoy the physicality of playing it um, I've been really been liking it. I like, I like the aesthetic. I like, um, the way it feels and, you know, it's nice to play something where I don't have a big commitment. I can just jump in for 10 minutes, actively be very involved because you have to be full attention. Um, you cannot like distractedly play this game. So you, you just, you get in all in for 10 minutes, get your time in, then you leave and then you're done. Like you don't have to worry about coming back. You don't have to worry about where you left off. No quests to fulfill, nothing you need to level up. You just, you just play. Just, just playing for the sake of playing. So um, I don't usually go for those kind of games, but this one is pretty cool. I think it was only a couple bucks and I dig the aesthetic. So, um, you know, I, that's all really I got to say. I mean, it's, it's pretty straightforward, pretty simple, but uh, I kind of dig it. It sounds kind of like a, like a cyberpunky Mirror's Edge kind of thing. 
Oh, you know, that's actually pretty close. Like, it actually... Yeah, I'm really glad you said that, because the same feeling you get in Mirror's Edge when you string together a number of moves and you get that flow going totally feels the same way here. Like, it's third person, so it's not first person. So the, the, the dynamic is a little bit different. But, like, once you get that sense of how everything works and you're able to, like, jump and wall run and then jump and then swing and then wall run again and then platform and you make the jump. Like, when you string all this together, like, it has that very similar kind of, like, that flow feel to it. That's a very good... Very good analogy, for sure. This sounds... I mean, this... Gosh, sounds like something I wouldn't be into, but it actually sounds interesting to me. It's a really bizarre project. I don't know who's behind it. I mean, like I said, we don't do jack shit research here. I should have done that beforehand, but it seemed to pop up out of nowhere, and nobody I know is talking about it. I didn't hear anything about it. It just was like a totally random find. Um, but I'm really, I'm really digging it, and I just like... Just that feeling of just running and jumping is just so pleasant that I've been coming back to it like a couple times a day, which I can't say for a lot of other games. So, <laughs> I mean, maybe it's not everybody's jam. I mean, I'm not even sure that it's even my jam exactly, but I think that it's really fun for what it is. And for 10 minutes at a time, I feel like it's a big win. Yeah. And it was only uh, you said like a few bucks. Yeah, I mean, it was only a couple bucks. I mean, I don't remember how much it was, but it was one of those. Oh, I'm going to gamble these dollars. And if it sucks, that's fine. But if it's good, then OK. It's like, it was totally like in the gambling phase, like. It must have been 10 bucks or less. I don't remember how much it was, but it wasn't much. Uh, I will keep this on my radar because it sounds like something I'd like to experiment with. Yeah, check it out. If you like Mirror's Edge, um, it's it's kind of got some of the same parallels, that same focus of know your character, know your movements, know your momentum, and just kind of put it all together. That's basically what this game is about. So if, if that's all you need to feel satisfied for 10 or 15 minutes, there you go. You're set. All right. I will. I'll keep that in mind. Right on. So that's all I have to say about Shacked, and I'm pretty sure I'm. I gotta. I gotta look that. What the? F- I'm gonna look it up right now. Corey, while I'm looking up Shacked, what do you? What do you got to talk about? What's uh, What's first up for you? I have a short and sweet check-in. Um, we had talked last week when we did our big like housekeeping show and talked about like updates on games we've been playing and stuff. I slated uh, Hellblade: Senua's Sacrifice for that show, but then. I revealed that I had only played like a half an hour more of it, so it was kind of like a useless update. Um, but I actually finished it last weekend. Um, I looked up the part that I was kind of stuck on. I looked up a walkthrough real quick on the internet to see what I had to do, and then I realized that I was only like two and a half like areas away from the end of the game. And I was like, okay, well, if I'm this close, I might as well just put in the extra like hour or two and finish it. And that is exactly what I did. And I don't really have a ton to say, and I'm not going to spoil the ending, but I will say that by the time the game ended and the credits rolled, I have, like, no fucking clue what happened at the end of the game. Like, Oh, what? Oh, no. Yeah, like, and I think a lot of it has to do with the game has so much, like, mythology built into it where they're constantly telling you these tales of, like, gods and like kind of like their backstories and these different things that happened and like i don't know if it's like norse mythology or greek mythology or some kind of like combination or something so i mean the fact that i'm not well versed in like classic mythology probably has some to do with that um so like the credits rolled and i was just kind of like i don't really know what happened here um not really sure you know what that ending was all about um, but the thing that I think is really cool is that on the title screen for the game, they have, there's a menu, you have, a, you know, like new game, load game options, and then they have a thing called like Hellblade featurette or something like that. And it's basically just like, um, 
it's like a 20 minute or so long um kind of like a behind the scenes like a making of hellblade and i mean i have to say like that the the production and the development of hellblade is way more interesting than what they actually made with the game. <laughs> oh dear. Oh because dear. like here my fear of going into Hellblade was cuz the big thing with this game is that it's like oh we had mental health consultants and you know so we're taking like a big uh you know stand and we're like making a lot of concepts about mental health like visible and appropriate for the game and i played the game and that's see i mean i've never had any mental health issues so i can't speak to how like realistic or how relatable they are but i you know played it and definitely like saw what they were kind of doing but i was like you know i just i don't know like i'm not really sure about this and then i watched the featurette and i was actually really impressed with how much they did like they had several um like mental health advisors, like like people who had been working in these like big universities and fields for like years and years and years. And they would do like, they did like an initial check-in with all these mental health advisors and all of these like mental health like patients who had, um, you know, had issues with mental health in the past or maybe they were currently battling with it. And they were like telling their stories and sitting down with the development team. And like every few months on the development cycle, they would basically like invite everybody back in and they would like uh, talk more about it and they would play more of the game together and they would get, you know, a constant, uh, you know, feedback from the mental health advisors and from the professors and from the, you know, the patients and the students who had been playing the game. And so I was, um, I was really impressed to see like just how much effort and how much like back and forth and input and like criticism and tweaking they did to really take what the people and the professors and, um, you know, the, the average, uh, you know, people that they had been discussing with who had mental health issues and like put them into the game because it would have been so easy for them to slap like, Oh, we have a mental health advisor. And they sat down with them for like an hour and talked about it. And that was it. And then they just made the game, but it like, looks like they really took a lot of time, a lot of hours, a lot of discussions and conferences and, all of this effort to really make, um, you know, the sort of like the mental health stuff in the game reflect as accurately as possible based on the people's, uh, the people's feedback and their feelings. And like, once I watched the feature ed, um, they, some of the people who were discussing the games, like the mental health advisors, like the stuff that they were saying made the stuff, some of the stuff in the game, it make more sense to me. And so I feel like, this game really is, it seems like it would be really great for people who have mental health issues because like they might honestly be able to identify with some of the stuff in the game. Like even some of the stuff that I was like, oh, this seems really tedious or this seems really dumb or this is like a really silly puzzle. Like all of that stuff was based in like a reality from testimony from people who had suffered through mental health issues. So like maybe this game like really is a great example of like different kinds of mental health issues and sort of like um, contextualizing them within the world that uh, Senua, the main character like lives in. So I was honestly super impressed watching the feature ad about everything that they did in the development of the game and just how thorough and how far they went into taking people's advice and meeting with, you know, counselors and everything for it. I am just sad that, so, you know, being me, someone who hasn't had mental health issues, that this game kind of sort of like fell flat for me. Um, 
But that's not to say I don't recommend it to people who maybe could use this game as like an interesting perspective or take on issues that they're dealing with, because I certainly want this game to be important for people who have those kind of issues. Um, but for me, it just, the game itself wasn't really that impressive to me, but I do think it's an important piece of art. And I was ended up being really impressed with all the effort they put into depicting mental health issues in the game. Interesting. I heard that there was a good documentary, but I didn't, uh, you know, I haven't started the game yet and I haven't watched anything um, about that. I planned to check it out, but I guess, um, I guess I'm thinking, you know, hearing you talk about how interesting the documentary was and then how like not interesting the game was. I mean, do you have, I mean, I know not to be like, you know, um, what are the, you know, like uh, backseat driver or, you know, couch quarterback or anything like that, but it's like, <laughs> You know, like if you knowing so having consumed both of these pieces of media and knowing what they each are and then con comparing and contrasting them, is there any way that you could have, I mean, just really quickly that you think that maybe they could have incorporated it to make the game more interesting or something that would have um, spoken to you more or any way that they could have, I don't know, just kind of in included more of the interesting stuff from the documentary? I don't know. I mean, I mean, a lot of my problems with the game are that like, it's like kind of repetitive. I don't really like the puzzles that it, cause it has these like rune puzzles in the game. And I don't think those are very interesting. The combat gets really tedious and old after a while. So like, I, I just, I don't know what they could have done to maybe like tailor the game to make it a better experience for me. But I also don't think, I don't know that they like had to, like, I, it's kind of one of those situations where I feel like I'm like, I'm the problem here. Like, because I haven't had, any issues that I can relate to in this game that like, I'm like the odd man out here and I'm totally okay with that. But I mean, the documentary is kind of like its own thing. And I really, I wouldn't recommend people watching like the documentary a bit without having played the game because they like spoil some stuff in the, in the game and the documentary. But I mean, if you're someone who's like never ever planning on playing the game, you're not interested um, or you're just not kind of interested in that genre and you don't mind being spoiled. I mean, I would recommend taking like the 20 or 30 minutes to watch it because it really is fascinating to see how much effort they put into it. But I mean, the game just didn't quite get there for me. All right. All right. Well, that's too bad, although I do appreciate the fact that it seems like they took a lot of time and effort to get the subject material right, I mean, which is something that not every developer does. So props props to them for that. Um, and like I said, I did buy this. I haven't tried it yet, but I will get to it at some point. So um, any final thoughts, or are we ready to move on? Uh, I think we can move on. All right, cool, cool, cool. Um, the next game is one that I'm actually very excited to talk about. I am thrilled to talk about this. Uh, it is called The Council, and it is an episodic game. The first episode that I played is called Episode 1, The Mad Ones. So I didn't hear anything about this until, like, two days ago. Have you ever heard of this game, Corey? I didn't. Whenever you sent me your list of games to talk about, to put in the script this week, I was like, okay, Shacked, I have no idea what that is. And The Council, I have no idea what that is either. <laughs> <laughs> Keeping you on your toes. <laughs> So, okay, so this is like, um, I tweeted about this the other night, and it's like, uh, you know, as a game critic, we get emails all the time to, like, look at games, to talk about games, for Kickstarters, for alphas, for betas. I mean, my inbox is drowning every day in email about people who want me to come take a look at their game, or to talk about their game, or to play their game, or review their game, or whatever. 
And so like, I'm, I'm constantly drowning in it. Plus I'm on Twitter. So like I talk to people who are also playing games all the time. I eat, breathe, sleep, and you know, like dream games all the time. Like I'm constantly, <laughs> constantly just surrounded by games. And I feel like I know everything about every game because I'm constantly just in that media all the time. So it is really, really rare to come across a game, which not only do I know absolutely nothing about, and I'm not just talking about these like rando indies that show up in some like weird download somewhere. I'm talking about like, you know, B and A tier games and stuff where you don't hear anything about them. And not only do I not know anything about them when I play them, they're fucking awesome. Like I love <laughs> when that happens. It it's happens so rarely, like maybe once or twice a year, if that. And this is absolutely one of those times when I knew nothing about this game and I pop it in, give it a shot. And I'm like, wow, this game is the best. I love this game. So, okay. What this game is, it is a third person narrative puzzle game, very similar to what you might get from like Telltale games. So like, you know, if you, I, I'm imagining most people listening to this podcast and I'm sure you as well, Corey, have played at least a couple Telltale games in the recent past, correct? Absolutely. Okay, so kind of the same thing. But it, the difference being Telltale found huge success with The Walking Dead Season 1, and rightfully so. That game's amazing. I still love that game. We'll always love that game forever and ever. But once they found that success, they stopped. They stopped innovating. They stopped working on things. They just kind of froze what they were doing and then just palette swapped all these other properties into that format, which... I think has ultimately proved to not be successful for them because although while they were hot for a while, they've really cooled off. People have fallen away and lost interest. Their games feel very stale and creatively bankrupt right now. So I think they really need to shake it up. But the council to me seems exactly like what Telltale would have been if they had kept innovating the gameplay side of things and didn't devolve into just making um, non-interactive movies where you occasionally push the X button. So it, it starts out, the premise of this game is that you play this guy, uh, Louis de Richet, and he is a, I believe he's a Frenchman. Sounds like a Frenchman. Uh, <laughs> and this is happening um, at, oh God, I, I'm terrible with dates. I want to say it's it's when America was just founded, like when America, you know, got won their independence from the British. When is that, Corey? Do you know? Uh, no, I don't. I don't know either, and I'm going to sound like an idiot if I make a guess. So uh, I do not know that history, but whenever it was that America won their freedom from the British. That's this time period when this is happening. So everybody is still wearing those like really fancy waistcoats and the little frilly Ooh. neck pieces and the powdered wigs and stuff like that, period piece. I'm not usually a fan of those, but bear with me. So what happens is your character is a member of a secret society. I mean, it seems like it's basically like the Illuminati and your mom is like the leader of the Illuminati for <laughs> France, I think, or something like that. No, not even kidding at all, dude. Not even kidding. So what happens is um, she gets invited to this island where all the Illuminati of the world are meeting. So it's like your mom is there. George Washington is there <laughs> representing America. There. <laughs> yeah, it's your mom. George Washington's representing America. Um, Napoleon Bonaparte is there and he's another person from France. There's like um, some kind of like a dude from the Vatican is there. Uh, there's a couple other people. There's like some, you know, there's like all these like famous people from history are there and they're meeting on this island, super exclusive, super reclusive, where they're all going to talk about like what's going down in the world. They're all going to make these deals and like every conspiracy nuts, like, you know, wet dream. Like this is what this game is about. Like, <laughs> so all you tinfoil hat people, this is your game. 
Um, so what happens is your mom disappears. And so you show up to the island because you need to find her. And all these other people are there. All these luminaries are there. And they're all meeting. And so you need to kind of navigate the situation. You need to find out what's up with your mom. What happened to her? Why, where did she go? At the same time, you need to like not give away too much about what you're doing because you don't know who you can trust and who you can't. And so it becomes like this really like intrigue situation. Um, I believe there's also going to be probably a little bit of the occult, which will come in a little bit later on. Uh, because what happens is when you start the game, you get to choose between three different paths. You can be a detective, an occultist, or a politician. And you got to choose this right at the beginning of the game. Each one has its own associated skill tree. And while you can't unlock skills from the other trees, it's way more expensive to do it that way. And the ones that you, um, the, the skills that are on the tree that you pick are way cheaper. So it really incentivizes you to think about which skills you want. And you can branch out, but it's, it's a little bit tougher. So what happens is you start playing the game and you can search around uh, these environments. You can walk around. It's very limited though, which is a good thing. It's not open world, but you'll be like, for example, you'll be like at a wharf and there'll be some ships and, uh, you know, some docks and boxes. You can walk around the area, but they contain you. Like they don't want you wandering all over the island because they don't want you to get lost. They want it to stay a very focused experience, which is to its credit. I think that's a really smart decision. So you stay focused on the area. You search around for clues. And it depends on your skills. I chose the detective path. And so I have improved um, ability to notice things that are out of place in the environment. I can notice clues visually. I can pick up on cues that people give me if they seem to be like uncomfortable or if they have a tick or something like that. So those are the skills that I have. And so as I was combing the environment, I could find like, you know, oh, this crate looks like someone has meddled with it. Or, oh, why it is this rope here? This means something. Or, you know, I'm kind of picking up clues like that. You meet people later on, and there are some uh, cutscenes you just watch, but then you also have these, like, encounters with people, like, one-on-one, -on -one, and you have to really, like, feel them out. The interesting thing about this game, one of the really interesting things, is that this game saves all the fucking time, and you cannot go back and load a save. Like, you just... Ooh. It really puts the pressure on to not fuck things up. And I like that, though. I mean, part of me is screaming inside because I'm a completist and I want to do everything perfectly all the time. But at the same time, it really does put the stakes on and this makes you feel stressed out because when you talk to somebody, you have to look at them and it depends on your skills. Like for me, I have some psychology skills so I can tell when someone's upset, but it's not all the way leveled up. And also I'm not so good at like decorum and being polite. I'm not so good at um, asserting my willpower over other people. Like there's, there's a number of different skills like that where you can be a good negotiator or you can be someone who's very agile, or you can be someone who is very logical, or you can be someone who is a very convincing speaker, or there's all like, there's this whole range of skills, right? So like, you can't have all the skills, you can only have some. So when you talk to someone, you got to really use the skills that you have as much as possible, but then that may not be all the skills that you need. And so a lot of it is kind of guesswork as it would be if you were meeting someone for the first time, like you wouldn't know everything about a person you just met. So you'd have to be like, well, what are you wearing? What do you look like? What, what was your <laughs> what reaction? You wearing? Yeah, exactly. What are you wearing? Who, who are you wearing? Um, and so, like, you really have to think about that very carefully. And because the game fucking saves, like, every five seconds, like, you totally are like, oh, my God, oh, my God, what do I got to say? And there's a time limit, too. So you can't just, like, have a conversation where you're staring at somebody for 15 minutes while you weigh out the options. It's like you've got 10 seconds to make a response or they think you're a fuckhead. What do you say? <laughs> and you got to say something, right? So, like, the first couple times, it's okay. I, I did pretty well. I figured out somebody right off the bat because it just happened to be that my strength was what their weakness was. Um, that's another thing, too. People have the weaknesses and strengths. So, like, for example, Napoleon, very strong-willed person. You cannot dominate him with will. Like, you can't, you know, bully him. 
but you have to find another weakness that's something that might he might be susceptible to like flattery or maybe you can trick him because maybe he's not the most clever person or like i'll talk to this other girl who is very resistant to anybody trying to emotionally manipulate her but she is very responsive to people who are honest and so like you know you got to kind of feel people out and once you figure out what their strengths and weaknesses are you can kind of you know play them a little bit more and kind of get more information out of them um so you know i i had a couple of successful encounters uh, defuse the fight. I mean, I found out some clues and then later on, my, my luck really started turning. I started hitting a bad streak where I started really misreading people and I was like, Oh fuck. And it, the interesting thing about that was like, it really felt like, I, I, I'm sure this is must have happened to you at some point in real life where, where you meet somebody in real life, you talk to them and you think you maybe know who, the, who they are or what they're about. You say something and then they take it the wrong way. And then you're like, oh, shit, sorry, back up, back up. And then they kind of get upset. Or maybe you just you keep putting your foot in your mouth and like you just can't really like get yourself out of it. Have you ever had that experience, Corey? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that's a pretty common human experience. Like every that... time I meet someone, I have that experience. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, that is exactly what it felt like to me. I was like, oh, my God, I am fa- I'm feeling the same kind of social anxiety where... I don't know the right thing to say and I'm messing this up and this person who I need to impress is not impressed with me and they're getting pissed off at me and now they're leaving <laughs> and I didn't I didn't get the clues out of them that I needed and they think I'm a dipshit now and it's like it was really cool because like it felt like a very real pressured conversation very very real human interaction which I think that a lot of these games have not managed to do over the uh, past couple of years that is something that has not been really focused on. So I really liked that a lot. I, really, I mean, even though I fucked it up, I, w- I was like, oh, that was so cool. I totally fucked that up. But I understand why I fucked it up. And it felt real. Like, I should have fucked it up because I kept saying the stupid thing. And, of course, that's how that person would react. And that made perfect sense. Um, the other thing I really like about this is they give you a pretty wide degree of freedom. Which is interesting after playing Telltale games because you feel so on rails that you don't really push against the boundaries of what's possible and what's not. But with this game, um, my guys like oh, it's dinner time, but no one's around. I should probably look for clues. And I'm like, well, you know, what does that mean? I mean, am I searching my immediate surroundings? What I, I, I kind of was like, well, whatever. I'm just going to go to dinner, dinner and advance the story. Um, but when you get to the end of a chapter, it tells you what you what else you could have done to kind of explain to you like what the game is doing. So like I looked around my immediate surroundings for clues, didn't find anything. I went to dinner, but what I, I could have searched like three other rooms. I could have went to a different part of the house. I could have gone outside. And so I was like, oh, man, like there's all these other opportunities that I passed up because I just wasn't thinking that I could do them. But you really can do them. And so it's really cool. It strikes a very good balance between being very controlled and focused and also giving you enough freedom to where you don't feel like you're on rails the entire time. And in fact, I'm kind of disappointed in myself for how many things I'm passing up because I'm so used (laughs) to not having that freedom. Um, So I really got to kind of reframe my thinking and kind of look at things in a different way. Really digging it so far, dude. I'm really into this game. Um, I think the conversations are really interesting. The setting is really interesting. Um, I will say that the tutorial in the game is not the greatest. It took me a little while to figure out how this was all working. Uh, a little bit of a rough start, but once I figured it out, I was really on board. Um, the only other thing to mention is that the art style could be a little bit off-putting to people because it's not exactly realistic. Um, people are kind of exaggerated in kind of grotesque ways. Like my main character, he kind of looks like a little too thin and a little too angular. Like he's not a cartoon character. Like it's supposed to be a fairly realistic style, but it's exaggerated just enough to where it looks just like a little tiny bit cartoony. Um, 
like some of the other people, like the old people are like really wrinkly, like super wrinkly. <laughs> and the busty lady's like really busty. So like it's kind of like a bit of an exaggeration when it comes to character design. Um, but not not terrible. It just it just looks unlike other games that you've played. It looks like a very solid like B tier kind of a, you know, lower production values, but they're really trying with what they've got. And um, they're going for a certain aesthetic, which I think matches their budget, which makes sense. So I'm glad that they went that way. Um, but it can be a little... I mean, the characters do look a little bit grotesque. So you have to kind of get over that hump. But, man, I'm just, like, into this game. Like, I really think it's really super interesting. And it's really engaging. And the twists and turns um, have just really been keeping me in. I just... I really like the mechanic, too, of talking to these people. And how much more agency I feel like I have. Like, I can... Um, you know, have certain skills. Not all these skills apply. Sometimes it works for people. Sometimes it doesn't. And like, you always have the pressure on because you can never go back and reload a save. And so it's like, it really makes you think about what you're doing and strategize to like play to your strengths and kind of get through the situation. Um, I haven't played anything like this in a while. And I think this is a great, great example of what you can do with a narrative game that is much more than just fucking cutscenes and pushing X. So <laughs> I'm, I'm all about this, dude. I am fucking into this. It, um, an episodic game, it's out now on PS4 and I believe Xbox One, I believe also PC. They sell it as a season pass. I don't know how many episodes are, but I think the first episode, which I'm playing now, I've been playing for about three hours. I'm not sure how much longer it is. Probably not too much longer. It's like six bucks or something like that. It's like super cheap. So I totally recommend this. If you like narrative, if you like detective games, if you like period pieces. I mean, this is, this is totally a great counterpoint. Uh, you know, illuminating what something like Telltale could have been if they kept on developing instead of freezing themselves in their tracks. Uh, <laughs> I, I dig this like a lot, dude. I'm into this. This sounds super rad, especially like the no saving thing, because I am I, and I hate I hate to do this. And I'm sure maybe you do this a lot. And there's probably a lot of people out there who do it. But like sometimes when I play a game like like Deus Ex or like Hitman or like Dishonored, like, sometimes, even if I've played the game, like, f you know, two or three times, I'm going back in for, like, another playthrough. Like, Deus Ex Human Revolution, for example. I've played the game, like, dozens of times. And sometimes I'll be like, all right, now this, this is the playthrough that if I fuck up, I'm just going to roll with it. And I'm not going to reload saves. I'm not going to save every five seconds. And I'm just going to try to stay in the game and stay playing and not, you know, uh, rely on me saving every five seconds to be able to reload in case I like fuck something up or somebody sees me or I do something wrong. So the thought of having a game do that for you <laughs> is kind of alarming, but it's also sounds really fascinating because you just know, like you're like strapped in and ready to go. And you just have to know that that is the way this game is going to be and that you have to be really, tuned in and really diligent about what you're doing at all times in the game. Oh, totally, man. Like it totally discourages you from doing the point and click thing of like, Oh, I'm going to try every item I have and I'm going to click on every item in my room and see what happens. Like if you do that guaranteed, you will fuck yourself over because you will ruin <laughs> clues. You'll get locked out of a path or something like something bad will happen. So they really are trying to tell you, wake the fuck up, pay attention. Like you're in the situation. There's no going back. Like, what would you do if you were doing this? which is an amazing dynamic. Like, I mean, yeah, man, I fuck some things up and I'm like, Oh, that was stupid. I wish I had done something differently. <laughs> but the fact that I'm even feeling that is, is amazing. And like that it feels so um, precarious when you're having these discussions is great. Like, I think that is a wonderful quality. I really enjoy it. Um, I've loved the times that I've come on top and I've, even though I've failed a couple, 
I still have really enjoyed those encounters as well because I feel like it's really um, teaches me a lot about how this game works and about just like having a different kind of sensibility um, in a game like this. Um, totally 100,000% recommend this. Uh, one piece of advice though is uh, when you start the game, like I said, the tutorials are not great and you begin the game on the dock. So you like, you get there, it's a very small environment. There's a couple people to talk to and you can look for clues and stuff. Um, you eventually get to a gate, which leads you up to the main house and the rest of the game. I would say to anybody playing this or thinking about playing this, play that dock section. Like you have to pick, like I said, politician, occultist, or detective. Play that dock section, see how you feel, learn the systems. And then once you feel comfortable, restart because you likely will have fucked something up. You, <laughs> you probably didn't understand something. Like I didn't understand some of it and I made some mistakes and I'm like, oh, okay. Well, now I know, but that's too late. I can't go back. You can't re retry that. So play the dock section. It's very short. You can get through it in like 10, 15 minutes, not even, maybe even shorter than that. Once you have a grasp on the mechanics, then move up to the house and then proceed forward and don't start over. But like, I mean, I feel like they should give you a little bit more of a training, training wheels on before you are let loose to fuck things up. Uh, so do that part, do the docks. And then once you feel good about it, then move on to the house and then just power through and see what happens and just play it out. Just play it out. Use your head. Do things that make sense, you know, follow your instincts and uh, play to your strengths. And it's just a very, very interesting, very engaging experience. I am all about this game right now. I'm so glad I tried this. And I love that I didn't know anything about it. It just came out of the fucking blue and it's so good. Like so amazing. So check it out. First episode is, I think it's like six or eight bucks. Totally worth a shot. This is my favorite kind of experience where you have no idea what a game is and then it shows up and then you're in love with it. Oh, I love that dude. It is so great. I, oh, the best, it is the best. So, <laughs> uh, do you think you're going to give this a pop dude? I will definitely check it out. It seems pretty well up my alley. And even if, I mean, episode one is only like six or seven bucks or something. That's a totally reasonable price. And you know, if I play it and even if I don't like it and I don't want to play the rest of the episodes, then I'm not going to be mad about like spending, you know, what I would for like, a McDonald's meal or something on a game that I got a few hours out of. Oh yeah, dude, totally. Even if you don't like, even if you hate it, I guarantee that you will walk away from this game having learned something about how these guys have approached the design or the different sensibility that they have, or just even showing the options of like what a narrative game can be. I mean, I think the skills and the way that you design your character and how you interact is just so fascinating. So, uh, I mean, even if you don't like it, I bet you're going to be like, you know, you're going to be a better person after playing this card. <laughs> Well, good, because I can always stand to be a better person. Uh, you and me both. You and me both. <laughs> All right, I've blathered on enough. Uh, let's go on uh, to what you... Oh, it was real quick, real quick. Um, I'm playing something for review right now, which is Under Embargo. I am so fucking psyched to talk about it. Oh. I can't talk about it. Hopefully, we can talk about it on the next show. Maybe, maybe not. I will see. But anyway, um, I may not have a lot to talk about next week. If so, I just want to give you guys a heads up. But I'm playing something super, super, super exciting. But it's under embargo. So sorry to sorry to tantalize you like that. But uh, I'll talk to you after show. But the I was going to say, as soon as we press the stop record button, yeah. you're going to be telling me what you're playing. <laughs> I'll tell you after the show. But the, the listeners, hopefully I'll be able to fill you in this week. So we'll see. Anyway, sorry. All right, go ahead, Corey. What do you got? What's left on the agenda? All right, so um, keeping very, we did not plan this at all, but keeping very much in theme of the show of games coming out of nowhere and us really enjoying them, I have a very similar story this week. Um, last week, uh, I don't know, you know, I've been thinking about this on the show, and for some reason, every time I talk about a game, I feel like I need to give like a 30-minute expose on how I discovered the game before I actually talk about it. 
And I don't know why I do this. I do the same thing whenever I write reviews for games. I write like three paragraphs about like the development company. And then I start writing about the game, knowing that those paragraphs are going to get cut in the editing process. But, you know, it is what it is. If you're listening to the show and you're fucking annoyed by the fact that I give like an hour of background information, (laughs) please just tell me. Just be like, stop. Just stop. Just get to the game. But I just want to give a quick uh, roundup about how I discovered this game. And I swear I'll try to make it quick. So um, those who are familiar with the Xbox and Microsoft's branding, um, there's the guy, Major Nelson, who's kind of like... He's kind of like the Xbox dad. Like, he's very knowledgeable about games. He plays a lot of games. He's sort of, like, the closest thing that Microsoft has to, like, a figurehead, like, human mascot. Would you agree with that, Brad? Oh, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And and he's been with the company for, like, ages. And he does a lot of, like, PR stuff. And he used to do, like, web shows and stuff. And he seems, like, generally, like, a really great guy. He's just not, like... I mean, he's just, like, kind of older. And he's very dad. Like, he's not, like, the kind of... He's not, like, a, like a young, like, 22-year-old dude, like being like a rad gamer like he's kind of like you're asking your like best friend's dad for gaming advice like that's kind of what he feels like but i say that i've I've never thought of him that way before but that makes perfect sense i totally agree yeah and i say that with the utmost respect to him because he he seems like i've never met him i probably will never meet him but he seems like a very polite very knowledgeable uh you know just all around really great guy um And one thing that I like, I follow him on Twitter, and one thing that I really like that he does is that whenever games become available on the Xbox Live store, he generally sends out a single tweet that says, like, such and such game is now available to purchase, and it has, like, either the link to buy it or it has, like, a screenshot for the game. And I I don't know what it is about that that really that I just really like that. And maybe somebody does that for Sony or maybe there's like a PlayStation account that does it that I'm just not following. So I don't see that stuff, but it's just kind of nice in my feed to see him be like, Hey guys, this game's out to buy. And he doesn't, he doesn't even say like, I love this game or I'm looking forward to it. He's just like, Hey, it's here. Here's the link. And this happened with a game uh, about a week ago called North. And I had never heard of this game And he had posted a tweet that was just like, North is available to buy on the Xbox store. And the screenshot of it that came with the tweet was like this really kind of interesting, like cartoony looking like first person screenshot where it kind of looked like a bunch of like aliens were like looking at you or something. Like maybe you were on some kind of like operation table and you're like looking up at this like backlit room and there's these kind of like silhouette figures with eyes like looking toward you. And I was like, you know what? I don't know anything about this game, but that screenshot is selling me pretty hard on it. So fast forward like a couple days and I'm looking through new releases on the PlayStation 4 and I see North on the PlayStation Network store. And I was like, okay, well, it's right here. I play PlayStation more than Xbox. So obviously the game's multi-platform. And to cut to the major chase, it was only $2.99. And I was like, all right, I can definitely get behind this. Like I didn't research anything about it. I saw the single screenshot. And then I bought it immediately on PSN when I saw it. So North is a first person um, kind of like slightly like narrative puzzle game um, by a developer called Outlands Games. I had never heard of Outlands Games before. And they had a publisher for the console versions. And I can't remember what the publisher's name is, but they had like a company publish it for uh x for xbox and playstation 4 and it's even on switch which is a really pleasant surprise um and basically north like it like reeks of like indie ass like indie jank kind of but in a really endearing way 
And in a way that I find very like avant-garde and experimental because you play in first person, uh, the game just sort of like abruptly starts and it's, you read a letter that the main character that you're playing has written to his sister. And he talks about how he just made it to the North. He's in the city and like things are kind of weird, but he's trying to acclimate to him to, or to the city And then you start in this, once the letter, you uh, click out of the letter, you're in this kind of like dark, like almost black and white city where the buildings are really tall. Um, There's not really anyone around you. You're just kind of like alone in the city and you walk around and you basically just have a few areas to explore. Like there's a church that you can go into. There's like an apartment complex you can go into. There's uh, like a mining facility that you work for that you can go into and each area kind of has like an associated like little mini game kind of thing going on. And as you discover more about the game, you mail letters back to your sister to kind of like let her know what is going on because you made it to the North. Um, You're trying to go through the immigration process to register to be like a legal like refugee of the North, because I guess the North and the South are separated by some like, really like intense desert land that might or might not be like on fire or something so you have to like get through the desert land and then get to the north and it's supposed to be like like the big city whereas the south is kind of like a war zone or something and you get there and you basically have to like solve these little puzzles like he writes a letter to his sister that says something about how like he has to prove himself at work in order to get his sort of like green card per se in the game. So then you go into the mining facility and you have to do like a mini game that kind of proves that you can handle yourself at work. And then once you do that, you get access to an elevator and you can go up a floor and you kind of have to do like a little puzzle on every floor until you make it to the top. And the top of the elevator has like a, or not the top, I guess like the middle level of the elevator has like a refugee office. And once you do all the things you're supposed to do, you can like, go into the refugee office and sort of like try to register to be like a citizen of the North. And the way I'm explaining this game probably sounds not interesting at all, but I, I am in love with this game. kind of sort of in the same way that I was in love with like the tea room and even like leaving Lindau and just as like a two hour sort of like avant-garde experimental indie game and i am in love with it so much that now that i have a gaming pc i looked them up on the internet and it turns out that the development company is just like a couple of dudes in berlin like literally two guys and they have like seven games available um online and they're all free you can donate to them but they're all free and i did donate to them because i wanted the soundtrack for north because the soundtrack is stellar and I've been sampling their games, but I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna do like a little bit of a developer spotlight and talk about their other games later. But Brad, I know that you bought this. Have you played it? And what do you think? I suspect, and I told you this up front that I didn't think you would like it, or didn't think you would like it as much as I do. And I want to know if you've played it and what you think. I did buy this, and I did play it this morning, and I am really glad that you and I are podcast partners because I think that between the two of us we can cover a very wide span of the gaming spectrum. And this is one of those times when we are covering different aspects of the spectrum. I I, I, I played this this morning, and I was like, the fuck is going on? What is going on? <laughs> I don't understand what's going on. Uh, I am not a fan of games where I am, like, left to kind of, like, figure things out on my own. Like, I'm more... I like more of a kind of a focused, guided experience. Um, that's not really, like, where I find the, the challenge or the enjoyment of my games. And so I was... <clears throat> excuse me, um, 
started and I'm like, okay, I'm wandering. And I mean, I, I have to say just technically speaking, uh, I'm playing this on Switch. And so it's really blurry and it's dark. It's really, really dark. I was having a very hard time seeing where to go. I, it was the screens were, I mean, I imagine it's probably different, uh, where you were playing it, but I was getting lost. There's one point where I was in a hallway and I had gotten my camera turned around. Uh, and I just, it was black. Everything was black. And I was like f moving my camera around and I couldn't find where to go. And I couldn't see which way it was up and down. And I was like, Oh my God, wh <laughs> what is going on? I, what the fuck is going on? And I just couldn't, I mean, I eventually found a, like a, a sliver of light and then it turned that way and then I found it and then I was able to get back to the main path. Uh, so that was really frustrating from a technical gear, um, uh, technical, technical gear. What, what am I saying? Technical from a technical perspective. God, sorry, I'm losing it. Um, yeah, so it was really blurry, really frustrating. I found the camera had this weird kind of a lag to it. So it feels kind of unpleasant to play because I turn and then the camera kind of keeps turning after I stop turning the stick. <laughs> which I found to be really kind of irritating. So, I mean, these are all like little minor dings that I'm just kind of bringing up here. But as I, as I got through, I'm like, these people are like monsters. And then I'm walking around and then I'm getting this letter. And I it, it's, it's kind of like, I don't know what, what's going on. And so when you get the letter, it tells you exactly what's going on. Because if the letter wasn't there, you wouldn't know what was going on. And so I felt like, okay, this is not a mechanic that works for me. Like, I don't, I don't appreciate being... Like, like stumbling through the gameplay and then getting this letter that tells me exactly what I just did. The gameplay should tell me what I did. Like, I should understand better through the gameplay what's going on. So I found it to be really frustrating mechanically and frustrating from a game design perspective. Uh, I did not finish it. I know it's only like an hour or something, but I was like, uh, no, 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 no. Make it stop. Make it stop. And so I bailed on it pretty quick. I did not get very far. I got to the, the mine... And I died, and I didn't know why I died, and I'm like, what's going on? And I was like, fuck it, never mind, never mind. Corey loves this, he's going to do a good job talking about this. I'm just going to nope the fuck out, and I'm going to listen to him talk, and we're just going to celebrate it that way, I don't need a part of this conversation, so. Oh my gosh. I suspected that would be your takeaway from this game. Yeah, see, I'm glad that you knew that, because that's how good of podcast partners we are, because you knew <laughs> that I would have a fucking allergic reaction to this game. That is literally exactly what happened. It broke out in hives. Had some diarrhea, had to take some medication. I'm done with it now. I'm over it. But yeah, this is not, not my jam in any way, shape, or form. But I'm glad that you're liking it, and I want you to tell me more about it. Well, I I have no problem believing that the game has weird technical issues on the Switch because, like, the the big thing for me that that kind of immediately turned me off whenever I started up, and I played it on PlayStation Four the first time. Um, I downloaded it on PC, but I've only played the whole game on PS Four. Um, Whenever you open the game, the first thing it tells you, it says um, something along the lines of, like, there there are no save states in the game. There's no options menu. There's no pause menu. The game is short. It's about an hour, and you're supposed to play it all in one sitting. And so you start the game, and, like, they're not lying. There's literally, like, you press start, literally no pause menu. There's no, And, I mean, there's never, like, an active threat that, like, you need to pause the game, but, like... You can't pause the game. There's no options menu. There's no, like, brightness meter. There's no sound set. Like, there's literally nothing. And the whenever I booted it up on PS4, the first big immediate turnoff for me was that because there's no options menu, there's no way to invert the Y-axis on the thumbstick. And I am an inverted Y-axis kind of guy. So I had to play through the whole game with standard axis, which really, like... 
at first I was like fucking pissed. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, this is only like, I think the second game I've ever played in my life that does not allow you to invert the axis or give you the option at all. But I was like, okay, you know, it's kind of like a play at your own pace game. There's not like monsters attacking you. It's not a shooter. Like, you know, maybe I can get through this. And I did, and I loved it. But that's just like a general heads up. But as far as like the, I mean, I I believe that it's probably dark on the Switch, um, but I didn't have any problem with the darkness on the PS4 or on the PC version because I played a little bit of it on PC. And the joystick lag, I had no problems either. So I don't know. I'm guessing that with the Switch version, it's maybe because it's literally like two guys that put the game out and they didn't really do like a ton of console testing for it and probably just like ported it over to controls and maybe like... I don't know. It kind of seems like the kind of game that's like never even going to get patched in the future because there's so little like development muscle behind it. Um, I mean, but, I, uh, I totally for sure. Like I get small budgets and stuff, but like, I mean, like basic stuff, like I get that you've got this artistic vision, but if I can't see what's on the screen, <laughs> I cannot participate in your vision. Like real basic stuff. Let me adjust the brightness. And like you said, flip the flip the the stick orientation like that's that's not a big thing like it's not going to ruin the artistic vision i literally could not interface with the game because i couldn't see i mean basic step one in a video game let me see what's going on not not a hard concept but anyway so yeah we get it it's not going to get patched it's a small game but all right go on but uh i mean i i i'm not i don't want to talk about like the ending or anything because i don't want to spoil it but Um, I mean, I just really, I love this game because it has that weird, like, like, I mean, it has like a weird mystery about it. And like, I understand what you're saying about how, like, you want a little bit of a tighter experience and you don't want to like, have to like figure out what the game is about. And like, this is definitely one of those games where like, it doesn't tell you anything and you have to kind of figure some stuff out. But the thing that I like about it is that you only have like so many options available at any one time. So it's not like you're dropped into like, you know, a Grand Theft Auto sized world and you have to like roam around for hours and figure out what to do. Like you're literally on like a small city block and you have like three doors and that's it. So you like explore the apartment for a few minutes. You explore the church for a few minutes. You explore the the factory that you work in for a few minutes. And then you like walk in the elevator and it kind of like lets you like get your feet wet and kind of like try to figure out what you're supposed to do. And every time you like discover new something new that's interesting, a little envelope icon appears on the screen, and that's whenever you know that you can write a letter to your sister. So like if you don't quite figure out what you're supposed to do, you can go back to the city block and go to go up to any mailbox. And when you go to the mailbox, he writes a letter for his sister. You read the letter, and the letter like more or less tells you exactly what you're supposed to do. So like in case you didn't quite figure it out yourself, and I mean I couldn't figure out most of it myself. Um, you like as long as you can walk back out and mail the letter you can kind of read what he writes and what he says and um and you know kind of figure out exactly what you're supposed to do so like it has enough like kind of like mystery and intrigue and just like the setting i mean this is not like a high fidelity graphical game like you can tell that it's like literally two guys that worked on it like it's not like a graphical powerhouse but I really enjoy the art style of it and like the the sound design and the music and the way it all kind of meshes together and just kind of drops you in the world and lets you figure it out. And there's a lot of really strange like I mean, I this sounds so pretentious when I say this, but like like the avant-gardeness of it really just caught me by surprise because there's like a section where you walk into a church and like 
you're out in the street and like it's really dark and there's like windows and it's got this kind of like chromatic aberration effect on the windows where they kind of like change colors when you look up at them and they're on the edges of your field of vision and then you walk in the church and the church is like completely white like white into infinity and it's like all of these like alien figures standing looking at this like poster of this giant eyeball and as you walk up to the alien figures they're kind of like gently like bobbing back and forth and it's just such a strange like space to be in where you know you're on these kind of dank streets outside and then you walk into this church and all of a sudden it's like infinite whiteness with these weird like alien figures that are bobbing back and forth and they're looking at this big poster and you're trying to figure out like what what is going on like it kind of left me with the same um sort of like mystery that i felt whenever i was playing virginia because like virginia is one of those games where you're just kind of like along for the ride and your eyebrows are constantly furrowed because you like don't really know what's going on but it's just interesting enough to like keep you like hooked in it's very much how i felt about this game and the fact that it was only about um like you know an hour to two hours long made it that much sweeter but when i was finished i was like man like that was like that was a game that I really liked and it's the kind of game that I feel like not a lot of other people would like but I just man like they these developers are speaking my language and they're like janky indie way and I am basically just eating everything they're feeding to me and I love it <laughs> well that's good man i'm very glad that you clicked with this i mean i this seems to me like it would be kind of your thing as i was playing through it i'm like yeah i can see how <laughs> i can see how Corey would like this I, I totally get that makes sense to me in my head like that equation works and i am glad that you are here for this because i am not here for this like in any way <laughs> uh I, I mean i support indies and i'm glad and you know glad they're doing what they're doing i love i love that they're out there but this man i just like it's this is like the opposite of a Brad game. Like it is not, <laughs> none of it is for me. And that's, that's totally fine. Like I respect that. Absolutely. So um, I'm glad that you played this and you have a really positive uh, sense and people listening. I mean, it's only like three bucks. So if it sounds like what Corey's describing is good, I mean, that's not much of a risk, but you played, give me, give us a really quick rundown of the other ones that you played. Cause you went through a bunch of other ones after you played North, right? I did. I, uh, I got on, I looked them up on the internet and there's a, there's kind of like a, you know, I have like Steam and it has like every game ever on it. Well, there's another uh, gaming platform. I think it's called Itch.io or it's like itch.io. I call it Itch.io. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but it's kind of like the Steam for like indie stuff, which is weird because Steam has a lot of indie stuff, but it's like, it's like the Steam for like other indie stuff i don't know how to explain it but it, it's it, like it just, when you're like a real indie that's where you yeah, go to but itch, like yeah. and it could be like really good like it's kind of like experimental indie like it's not like the indies that are obviously like copying the successful game like kind of like what happens on steam it's just like out there stuff and so i looked them up i looked up their itch.io page and they have seven games which i thought was pretty impressive um their oldest game dates back from what i could see to november 2014 and um, the interesting thing about North is that they actually published it on PC in February of 2016. So it's been two years and it finally got ported to consoles. And it's just weird for me to think like, this is a two-year-old game. I had no idea these guys even existed. And 
this is like was like the perfect rabbit hole for me to go down to like look at their page on the internet and try to like figure out what other games they have and so I'll give like a short rundown on some of the games that I played so I started with North and obviously I just talked about I really liked it um I played another game called Conquest which is like a first person uh sort of like you're on like a alien planet and it's very low res like very um not sophisticated graphics and i'm totally okay with that but you're on kind of like this alien planet and the planet space that you're on is kind of like a like a graveyard like it seems like there's like a little space station and there's like a front yard area and it has tombstones and you can go into the space station and then you can go out the back of the space station and go down this like big thing of stairs and there's more tombstones in the back and you can read the tombstones and some of the tombstones are broken or they're like malfunctioning. And so in the space station, there's like a message that says that you have to re- try to repair some of the tombstones. And then you eventually like get this like gun thing that like reprograms the tombstones. And like the process of playing this game was interesting, but I, d- I couldn't, f- I couldn't figure out how to finish the game. So I just kind of like stopped playing it cause I didn't know like what I was supposed to do. <laughs> And this is, like, the kind of, like, indie stuff where there's there's probably, like, not any walkthroughs out there for it. So I just, like, you know, closed the game and stopped playing it. But, I mean, <laughs> it, it was interesting. Like, I definitely think it was, like, interesting to play. I didn't dislike it. But I'm wondering if there is a way to finish it or if it, there's not a way to finish it. Because this could be so avant-gardely pretentious that it could like not have an ending and that could be like the ooh factor like it doesn't have an ending but that's part of the statement is that just death never ends and you're playing this forever and it's it's like that kind of thing and like that was okay and i played another game called the womb which they put out in february of 2015 and much like it sounds it's kind of like a first-person game where you look like you're in a womb. Like, it's kind of like a white, like... But it has, like, a pink gradient in the back, and as you move around, the pink gradient kind of gets, like... Kind of, like, is always kind of opposite of where you're standing. And you have a little, like, scanner that you can bring up, and you have to scan for these, like... um, Like, things in the environment. And whenever you find them, you click on them... And I'm pretty sure it's, like, a mythology-based thing because it has, like, a person's name and then it has, like, a few quotes. You have to click through a few quotes about, like, highlights of their life and then, like, their spiel is over. And you basically do that for several different people that are, that are like, encased in this, like, womb area. And that's another game that I wasn't sure if there was an actual ending to it or not. So I found as many of, like, the genes as I could and read through their quotes and then stopped playing it. Um, literally like a 20 minute experience, very interesting. Um, but you know, I mean, that's kind of all there is. And I played, uh, another game called pictures of a reasonably documented year, which they put out in November of 2015. And this is a perfect example of a game where you basically launch it and it looks like a computer desktop. And then you have to kind of like click your folders and figure out what the person who owns the computer was like researching and in this case it's a guy who lives in this town and there was like a library fire in the town and as you click through text documents that he's written he has everything um uh categorized by month so like i started logically with the january folder 
clicked it. It had like some text documents, some pictures, some videos. And you kind of click through every month until you kind of get a sense of maybe what's going on. And he's kind of falls into this um, like investigative conspiracy where he thinks that the town that he's living in like is in some kind of like wormhole or something where like people will there's like a group of neighbors called the Johnsons down the street and like he starts to notice over time that he thinks they've been like replaced by different people but they still call themselves the Johnsons and like houses in the neighborhood are like popping up out of nowhere like overnight and he like thinks he's going crazy and the more you look through the notes on the computer the computer screen kind of like degrades in quality and things like start popping up on the screen and like the music gets more intense so it's kind of like this weird like silent hill-esque sort of like desktop investigation simulator which doesn't sound interesting but i thought it was uh, kind of fascinating and then last but not least i played a game called uh damarung which i believe is norwegian for norwegian i think uh for dust oh shit we're getting in trouble again I know it's a foreign language, but I can't remember if it's Norwegian or not, but I, it stands for dusk because I Google translated it like the smart guy that I am. Um, and, and this one also very avant-garde, you start the game, it's in first person, you're in this like white hallway thing. And as you walk to the end of the hallway, there's these like wireframe models of these kind of like big dudes who kind of look like they have their hands like kind of poised behind their backs and they have a little like black, um, kind of like sensor bar in front of their eyes and there's like eight of them and you walk past them and there's a console at the very end of it and the console says save us on the screen and you click on the console and it turns into like a terrorism investigation simulator kind of thing it's totally weird goodness oh my goodness so when you click on the console there's one wireframe model that is kind of like rotating in front of you kind of like a character selection screen and it says like um, there's like a, a warning screen and it says like, um, there's an, like the North is planning an imminent attack on the South, like a terrorist attack. We need to press these terrorists for information. Um, you have to interrogate them by what means you think is necessary or something like that. And then it's basically like you have binary choices, like the person and like the things that you select do not get acted out on anybody. It's just like, the character model is spinning and that's it. And it's like a wireframe. So it's not like a, you know, like really like detailed character model, Um, but it's very like artfully done. It's very beautiful. And, um, but like, it's really disturbing because sometimes you only have two choices at any given moment. And sometimes it'll be something like, okay, it'll be like, you know, like tell the terrorists that, um, I don't know. Like, it'll be kind of like a nice thing. And then the other thing will be like, burn his chest with cigarettes and it'll be like totally like something in the opposite direction and like and you only get like five choices with each person and sometimes the two options are both like equally completely awful things like it'll be like um cut his hands off or break his knees or something like that and so it gets into this really disturbing territory where you kind of have to choose like you know, it's, it's not always, like, a good and bad option. Usually it's, like, bad and worse options. And so you have to, like, decide what you want to do to these people in order to make them talk. And every time you click on one, there's, like, a little response text bubble that comes up that says, like, what they're saying back or what, you know, what their response is. And eventually you kind of, you torture them so much that you kill them and you get no information from them. And you have to do that for every person in line 
and hope that you get the right information or Jesus. hope that you make the right clicks. It's totally bizarre. I mean, it's really interesting and it only lasts about 30 minutes. So it's not a very, all these games are very compact experiences, but it's like, I mean, I kind of felt a little sick, even though like nothing is happening on the screen. Like some of the options that it gives you, I was just like, man, I really have to choose between these two things. Like this is kind of sickening. Um, but still, like, just so um, surgically presented and so beautiful, um, like, in an art design sense, that it's just a weird balance of, like, these horrible things you're trying to do to, like, interrogate these people, uh, you know, coexisting with this, like, absolutely beautiful, like, almost like Blade Runner-esque, like, um, you know, surgical science white backgrounds and wireframes. And so, I don't know, very interesting, um, you know, I... I need to start a tally for how many times I'm going to say avant-garde on the show, but it's like a very like avant-garde experience. <laughs> um, very experimental. It's just like, I mean, I'm sure like half the people listening to the show are probably just, you know, hoping I'll suffocate because my head is so far up my own ass right now. But like, <laughs> the, these are the kind of games that I am in love with. And this is what I like about like, I mean, I don't want to sound like a PC elitist, but you don't see these kinds of games on consoles very often. And so one thing I like about having a gaming PC now is being able to, like, find these really strange, like, short experimental indie games and playing them and, you know, not having to play it for 10 or 20 or 30 or 40 hours, just sitting down and getting this, like, interesting, thought-provoking experience in the span of, like, one hour or two hours or even less than those and just really being able to, like, think about it and think about how you feel about playing that. It's like a... I don't know. It feels more like an interactive art piece than like a video game, which also sounds incredibly pretentious. But I, I, I love, I love these guys. I think that they're doing great work and I support them. And I hope that because North came out on consoles, I mean, I have no idea how many people are playing it, but this is the perfect rabbit hole of me finding this weird avant-garde video game and then being able to find them on PC and find out that they have more games and being able to really like dive in on them and play what they have done and i mean the stuff that they're doing it's really just like speaking my language and i really really like it wow right on man it sounds like you just like clicked and the stars <laughs> aligned and it was just like love at first sight i mean that's amazing i'm really glad that you have gotten into this uh so much and again i mean like i said before this is the perfect example of why we are a good counterpoint uh on the show because I if I had to talk longer about this game, there's no way I would have covered it with such love <laughs> and, and adoration. Um, so I'm glad that, you know, you found this uh, up your alley, not not up my alley by any means. But uh, I, I can totally hear what you're saying when you say you see these things in it. And that makes perfect sense to me. So I'm glad that you are bringing it up and discussing it. You're probably one of the few people who play this and probably even fewer people who have talked about it, like in some form to be digested by others. I don't hear anybody talking about it. I didn't hear anything about it. So. Uh, you giving it this love is probably uh, very appreciated by the developers, I'm sure. I know. I'm actually planning on um, on their North page on their Itch.io site. They have like a like the game description on the bottom of it. It's like, oh, if you play this game and have any feedback, like here's our email address. And I think once the show goes up, I'm gonna send them an email and just talk about how um, how much I enjoy their games and be like, oh, guess what, guys? We talked about your games for like you know an hour on the show. If you want to listen to it and um, and I mean, it's literally two guys. It's Tristan Mew, M-E-U, and Gabriel Helfenstein. Um, 
it's the only two guys that work on them, and it is Outlands Games, which that's like a terrible development name. You know how hard it is to search Outlands Games on Twitter or on yeah. uh, on Google, I mean, and try to find like because there's literally a game called Outland. There's Outlast. There's uh, Red Barrels that makes Outlast, and I feel like they should have chosen another development name, but. Um, either way, I support these guys. I think the work they're doing is really important and it's totally like the kinds of games that I think not a lot of people would get behind cause they're weird, but they're weird in just the right way for me. Right on, right on. Well, you heard it here, uh, on so video games, folks, this is just the right kind of weird. So <laughs> <laughs> check it out. If you talk to those guys, let me know what they say. I bet they would be thrilled to hear from you. I imagine they probably don't get a lot of fan interaction. So maybe you reaching out would would reap some rewards for you i'm sure they would probably talk to you so give it a shot i will do that i looked up uh they have a like a patreon page for donations and i went to it and nobody is donating any monthly money to them on patreon and i felt really sad about that maybe i should be their like first investor that is super sad. See, that is also one reason why I don't want us to have a Patreon, because I would be super afraid there would be no donations. <laughs> I would be so humiliated and embarrassed. I would have to, like, make a bunch of dummy accounts myself and then donate money to our own cause, because I would be too embarrassed if there was, like, no no patrons. So we're not going down that route. And that is su- that's super sad. I feel bad for those guys. So I, I guarantee if you gave them five bucks a month, they would get in touch with you, I'm sure. So maybe you should talk to them about their game design theory and, I don't know, who knows? Who knows? Who knows where this would go? <laughs> I don't know. Um, do you have anything? I've, I've talked Outlands games to death. Um, do you have anything else you want to cover before we sign off? Or are you ready to go? I think we have done justice to those guys and everything else uh, this episode. I think we should wrap it up and, uh, and, and we'll call it good. All right. Well, 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 well. In that case, uh, that will bring us to the end of episode 73 of the So Video Games podcast. Remember to stick around after the ending music. If you want to hear tonight's banter, we talk about um, Call Me By Your Name, a gay romance movie. We talk about Jessica Jones. We talk about a recent Comic-Con that Brad went to, um, among other things. Um, If you want to stick around after the little uh, ending jingle, you'll be able to listen to that later. Um, If not, and you want to bail, I don't blame you. Um, You can bail right now, and we'll see you guys next time for episode 74. But uh, in the meantime, remember, you can always remember to send us any thoughts, comments, feedback, ideas, any show topics, any games you're interested in hearing us discuss, anything like that. We can be reached by our email account. It is sovideogamespodcast at gmail.com. You can also post comments to the show at Game Critics' website when it goes live. Uh, Brad monitors those comments very thoughtfully over there, so he will catch those. Um, we're also on Twitter as a collective show. Our show handle on Twitter is at SoVideoGames. You can reach us there. Uh, believe it or not, we're also on Twitter individually, which is probably the best way to reach us, honestly. But either way, someone will see your messages somewhere else. But Brad and I are very active on our individual Twitter accounts. Brad, would you like to give out your Twitter handle? Sure. It's my name, B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y. All A's, no O's. Excellent. Not Brad Goyloy, no, like Josh bro- Jackson said. Broad Goyloy, no, no. <laughs> switch, switch those vowels, my friend. All A's, no O's. Excellent. Um, I'm also on Twitter. It's also my first and last name. We like to keep things consistent here on the So Video Games Show. Uh, my handle is Corey Motley, C-O-R-E-Y, 
M-O-T-L-E-Y. And that, my friends, unless you're sticking around for banter, is the end of our episode. Brad, do you have any last bits to add before we sign off? No last bits. I'm just really hoping that I will be able to talk about my embargo game for the next episode. If not, I will definitely talk about it the episode after, but I will do my best to convince PR to let me off the leash a couple days early. So we'll see. No guarantees. Uh, But no, thanks for listening, and uh, always a pleasure to have you aboard, folks. Excellent. Couldn't agree more. But until next time, this has been episode 73. We will see you next week. And this is bye from Corey. And bye from Brad. We'll see you next time. This is a good day, dude. I'm actually, uh, I got a lot of good topics to talk about. Um, got a lot of sleep last night, which is nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, man, it's good. It's going good. I was actually looking forward to, uh, the show. I had some notes, a lot of good, I'm actually playing a lot of good games right now, which like really elevates my mood when I'm playing a lot of good games. <laughs> it makes me feel much better than when I'm playing shitty review games. So I'm playing good stuff right now, so, which is good. Uh, what, so what about you? What's, what's up with your good mood, man? Uh, what's wrong? I... What's wrong? What's wrong? Why am I in yeah. a good mood? Yeah, it's so what's rare. Going on? <laughs> no, I'm a. I don't know. I mean, part of the reason why I'm excited about recording today. I mean, I guess like most of it actually is, um, like I feel like most for the past like month or two, even though I've had like games to talk about for the most part, it's been like every time that we like the Tuesday approaches and we're gonna record, I feel like I haven't like really played enough to be like oh like i have a lot to say about a lot of these things and i'm kind of like scraping by on like an hour of gameplay to play like with a couple of games to discuss things but not this week i have been playing so much stuff that i like was thinking about like getting to the point where i was like man i might have to like save some of these games to talk about on a later oh, show oh shit been you're so building much. up content backlog what i know i know so and i mean most of that is because of like the outlands games stuff because like north i mean you know we'll talk about it later but north came as like a total surprise to me and it was like the perfect situation where i was able to just like dig into everything they had made and they have all like all of their well not all of them but all the games that i played of theirs don't take any longer than like an hour or two so it it was just like perfect to play through a bunch of like really small games and kind of get a taste of like a studio's palette and you know what they've put out and i feel i feel really good about discussing them today excellent excellent i am looking forward to talking about that but we should probably band about a few things for people who have just listened to the closing music and who now want the extra content although now we're still in the time warp because we haven't done the show yet but what do you, what's on, what's, what, what stuff do you want to talk about, man? What should, what extra content shall we give to our faithful <laughs> listeners today? Okay. So I have two distinct, I think two distinct topics for banter situation. Um, okay. I have one that might fall under our aging gracefully segment. I love that we're keeping this going, by the way. <laughs> and I have one that is a movie that I saw recently. So Right on, right on. Let's do Aging Gracefully first, since we don't have much time left. Okay, all right. Aging Gracefully. Um, and this is kind of a gross story. Like, I don't think it's on par with your, like, massage story from last week, but this is, like, kind of gross. <laughs> so, 
like about two months ago, I can't even believe it's been this long. About two months ago, I like, I don't even remember exactly how it happened. I'm pretty sure I just like woke up one day and, you know, I like went in the bathroom to, I don't know, like wash my face or brush my teeth or whatever. Oh God. Oh God. Oh God. I'm getting scared. Go ahead. (laughs) And so I look in the mirror and there's kind of like a red, like rash looking thing under my right eyeball. And it's kind of like right in like where you have like your dark circles, like right in there, like almost to my nose, almost up to like the very tip of my eyelid into like my, my lower eyelashes and waterline. And it's like this red spot. And I was like, well, that's weird. Like I didn't like, you know, like put, I like, I haven't been using any new kinds of skincare or I haven't, you know, used like a new like face wash or anything. And I have like a pretty, um, like regulated skincare regimen that I use. And I was like, well, that's kind of strange. Like, I wonder what that is or what's going on. Maybe it's just like a little sore or like, and it'll go away in a few days. And so I kind of like ignored it and didn't really like do anything about it and didn't um, make, like I thought about making a dermatologist appointment, but I've never been to a dermatologist. And so I like scouted for some and then couldn't make up my mind. And it's kind of one of those things like where, you know, when you're young and like your mom always makes your doctor's appointments for you. And I'm just too lazy to like call and schedule like a doctor's appointment for myself. So I have had this like red mark under my eye for like two, about two months, which seems kind of extreme now that I think about it. And at first I was trying to like cover it diligently with makeup every once in a while. Like when I went to work, I would like try really hard to put like because there's like a primer like we're gonna talk about makeup for a second here so you have primer which is like it's just like when you paint a wall it like helps the paint adhere to the wall it kind of like helps the stuff adhere to your face and they have a green color correcting primers that cancel out redness because they're opposite each other on the color wheel and we're getting into color theory but if you put green over red it'll cancel it out before you put like foundation on so i was putting like green primer over it to try to cancel out some of the red and i was like testing different liquid concealers to put over it and then like powdering it to make sure to make sure it all stayed in place and like sometimes it would look okay like it never looked great it just like would look kind of okay but most of the time it would look like um kind of like i was like uh, like a battered spouse like trying to cover a black <laughs> eye oh no so oh, no. so yeah so it was like i would go to work and i would just like wonder like i'm sure and my i wear big glasses so like my glasses probably cover most of it anyway but i would have this constant fear of like my coworkers like thinking that i'm getting like like I'm in like a domestic dispute situation and keep in mind half the people I work with are um, like victim support case managers for a university. So so (laughs) this is like their bread and butter, like, you know, like domestic violence and like um, domestic disputes and like this kind of stuff. And so like Margaret, the woman who works closest to me in the office, who I love, I love her to death. Like I made it very clear to her. I was like, I, like there was one day where I went in and like my eye hurt and I had like a stomach ache or something. And I told her, I was like, Oh my God, I just feel like my body is like betraying me right now. And like, I have this like gross rash and like my stomach hurts and I just feel gross. And, um, and so like, I made it clear to her, like, this is not like, you know, any kind of like dispute or anything like that. And so eventually I gave up on putting makeup on it because I thought it just kind of made it look worse. And I think it kind of, um, was irritating the mark itself and making it worse Okay. And and so come, I I still have not seen a dermatologist on this because it's been getting better. But I think the reason why it's been getting better is because I sort of like self-diagnosed what I believe the problem to be. And I think 
as gross as this sounds, I think I have ringworm on my face directly under my eyeball. Oh my goodness. I know, it's gross. And I think I got it from, I have a, like a cleansing, like facial sponge thing that I use like every couple of days or something that kind of like, when you're like washing your face, it's kind of like what like a loofah is for your body. Like this is what it is for your face. And it like, kind of like gently like physically exfoliates. And I think that, that was old and it was kind of like moldy or something and so i literally think i like exfoliated ringworm directly into my face when i was cleaning it one day and i ended up buying like lotrimin at target and like putting that on my face every night which is like targeted specifically for ringworm so it's been getting better. It's still not completely healed, but like some days it's like inflamed and some days it's itchy. And generally it's just this kind of like flaky like thing. I mean, it's not like a scab, but it's not like like juicy for lack of a better word. Like it's really dry and flaky and it's just really, really gross. But I hope, I'm pretty sure I'm on like the upswing of it now that I actually got like something that can cure ringworm. But that's my, like, gross story for the week. Okay, super gross and a couple <laughs> of things. Um, so first off, you should go see a doctor, dude, because you may not... I mean, it sounds like you're kind of on the right track, but, like, anything that's near, like, on your head, you know, a lot of blood vessels run through there. If you get an infection, that could easily become, like, a brain infection. Anything near your eye, your photographer, you don't want to have your <laughs> eyesight suffer. Like, go get it checked out, dude. I'm a little concerned. I mean, hopefully I'm glad it sounds like it's getting a little bit better, but, like, self-diagnosing is always a real sketchy thing. <laughs> so I would strongly recommend, please go get it checked out. Also, I mean, I've, ringworm is very possible because you're on the ground. I mean, you're always doing those action shots at skate parks and stuff. I mean, you could very easily have touched something that was dirty, and then, you know, you're not thinking about it or you don't see it. You scratch your eye, you scratch somewhere else on your skin, and then something gets... Con contracted i mean very possible especially for someone like you who's always getting the action shots and you're out and about you're outdoors you know louisiana is very swampy kind of a you know <laughs> southern kind of environment too so man oh dude go to go get it checked out I would, I, I would definitely get it checked out if i was you i know i need to and i feel like well i called one like i picked out i looked on like my benefits website and i picked out one dermatologist that i was like okay, I think this is the one. They seem pretty good. They're pretty close to home. They're on my insurance. And then I called them and I was like, oh, are you guys accepting new patients? And she was like, oh, we are, but not for another three weeks. And I was like, okay, well, that's not helpful at all. So I just like told, I was like, okay, I'll just find somewhere else to go. And I hung up. And the funny thing is that that was like a week or two ago. So at this point, like I probably could have had an appointment in like a week and true, I passed true. on it and I have not called anybody else. Although my coworker, Margaret referred me to her dermatologist who I still have not called, but I should probably do that. Well, you know, if it actually is ringworm, um, a regular PCP primary care physician or uh, could diagnose that and give you treatment. So you wouldn't need to actually see a skin specialist. I mean, when people get referred to dermatology, who I actually have been to dermatologists before because I do have some skin issues. I mean, that's like a big referral. And they do like the hardcore, like really exotic kind of stuff. Like your PCP could probably take care of it, no problem. And if they don't take care of it, then that would be a confirmation that you do need to see a dermatologist, which, you know, as you found out, is usually a couple weeks of waiting. They're always busy. They're kind of specialists. So I would say just go see your regular doc, explain what happened. I bet they could give you some kind of an antifungal or something and take care of that. So go right. take care of yourself, my friend. Go do it. <laughs> I will take that under advisement. 
All right. All right. What's your other what's your other thing? Um, I last week on Sunday, I saw I guess that was technically this week. Um, I finally saw the movie Call Me By Your Name. Are you oh, familiar yeah. with this? Yeah, I have not seen it. It's on my list. It's, it's one of those movies where like I would totally rent that and watch it with my wife. But I don't think that I would like be excited enough to go see it in a theater. So I guess I'm like b tier excited about it not a tier excited <laughs> about it but yeah I w- we would totally watch it it seemed like something that we would like to watch with like you know on a quiet evening when the kids in bed and we want to just see something that's emotional or something it's i've been hearing nothing but good things about it was it good or you want to give us a recap what it's about first uh i will do that um it is it's basically it's based on a book um, of the same name and i have not read the book so i can't do any like book movie comparisons but it's basically just like a pretty classic love story but it's but i mean like the catch if you will is that it's between two gay men and it's about a guy like a young 17 year old who lives in italy with his family i I think it takes place in like the late 80s and his dad is like a university professor he's like an archaeologist and professor and every summer he takes uh, he he hires like a research assistant for the summer that's usually like a guy who's like a master's candidate or like a PhD candidate or something. And so the story takes place over the course of a summer and the research assistant who is played by Army Hammer and he was in the social network and um, God, I can't even remember what else he's been in, but he's been in can, a bunch of stuff. Can we just stuff. pause for like one second? I got to just say Army Hammer. Number one, that's a dumb name. Like, I mean, I don't know anything about the guy. He's probably a nice guy. I'm really not familiar with his work. But every time I hear fucking Army Hammer, what do I think of? You know what I think of, don't you? Arm and Hammer? Yes, I think of that fucking orange box of baking soda. Every time I hear it, I'm like, why, why the... I don't think of you. I think of fucking baking soda. It's like, poor, poor synergy there, buddy. Your agent should have got you a different name. Sorry. Derailing hardcore. Didn't mean to interrupt you, but f- Army Hammer is you're, the fucked you're up right, name. You're right, though. It sounds like like what a drag queen would name herself. Like, Oh, God, totally, dude. That is totally a drag queen name. Absolutely. <laughs> Oh, you were, that is absolutely spot on, dude. He needs to change his name ASA fucking P. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. Well, he, so in the movie, he gets hired as the research assistant and he shows up to this like villa that the family lives in and it's the mom and the dad and they have one son and his name, uh, uh, Army's name is uh, Oliver in the movie and their son, his name is Elio and the son is played, I probably cannot pronounce his last name correctly, and I haven't watched enough YouTube videos to hear anybody else say it, but uh, his first name is Timothy. It's like Timothy, like, Chamolet or Chamolette. I don't know if it oh, has, like, like, French groundings. Ch- Chalamet? I Chalamet? I don't Maybe. know. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know either, Maybe. but <laughs> he he plays the son, and so the son is, like, like, the only kind of weird-ish thing about the movie is that there's kind of, like, a big age discrepancy between the son and the research assistant because... In the movie, they make it very clear that the son is 17. They do not, from what I remember, they don't state the name of, or that the age of Oliver. But somebody on Twitter told me that in the book, he's like 24, I think. Um, Okay. So we have a 17-year-old and a 24-year-old. And I learned from IMDb, which means it must be facts, that the age (laughs) of consent in Italy is 14. So technically, like... If the movie is, like, governed by Italian law, like, technically there's nothing wrong with the situation. But that's, like, not the point of the movie. The point of the movie is that 
Um, the son, Elio, is not, I mean, he's not like an out gay man or anything. He's just like a regular kid who is in like a pretty fortunate situation of like having pretty like wealthy parents and they have like a cool like Italian villa and they live there and uh, Oliver comes in town because he's the research assistant for the summer and um, and I mean, one thing at first, like Elio is pretty resistant to Oliver being there because Oliver like takes Elio's room and then Elio has to uh, like live in the spare bedroom that's like uh, connected to it next door. And, but like as things evolve in the film, they like Elio starts falling for Oliver and then they start to form like a romantic relationship over the course of the rest of the summer. And it's like, like, to be honest, the movie is, like, a little bit slow to get going. Like, it's kind of, like... I mean, it was nominated for a bunch of Oscars, and it's kind of, like, what you think of when you think of, like, an Oscar movie, because it's, like... Totally, you know, it's yeah. really emotional, it's a drama, it's kind of slow-moving, and it's really, like, touching, and... But, like, once it gets going, like, it gets really good, and the thing that I like the most about the movie, just uh, aside from the fact that it's, like... You know, like a gay love story, because I mean, most movies like this are, you know, between like a white man and a white woman most of the time, um, is that the movie kind of presents itself as almost like the movie is being remembered by somebody rather than being like presented to you as things happen. Because like some scenes are really short and they kind of end abruptly, and some scenes are like really long and really like warm and romantic. And the movie has a lot of uh, like uh, really long one shot takes in it, but they don't present themselves as like a, like a, Ooh, look, we're making this a one shot take. Cause like a lot of movies do that where they like make it really obvious that they're going out of their way to do like a one take situation. But right, right. I mean, this movie is just really like, it's really dreamy and it's really romantic and it doesn't, it kind of feels like, I mean, I'm sure there was, like, a big production team behind the movie, but the movie is pulled off in such a satisfying way that feels like it was just, like, the two actors or whoever else on screen and, like, one guy with the camera and, like, nobody else was there. There's no, like, fancy lights. There's no special effects. There's no explosions. It's just, like, a really beautiful love story between these two characters, and it... I don't know. I just really like, I mean, I highly recommend it if, uh, you know, if anybody's listening and this sounds like your jam and you haven't seen it yet. Um, it's just a really beautiful film and it's really warm and it really, uh, makes me happy to see. I mean, like we, we've talked about like, you know, black Panther and about, you know, kind of like a movie that's like made by black people for black people. This is sort of like, I mean, this isn't like the gay man's black Panther, but it's like, it, it, like it, 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 in oh that my god, sense. that would be like an awesome tagline for the marketing. <laughs> Call me by your name, the gay man's Black Panther. That would be dope, dude, if that was on the DVD case. Oh my god, perfect. <laughs> but I mean, that's just like kind of what it is. Like we're so used to seeing like heterosexual love stories in movies, and like this movie, like the the movie isn't like about being gay. Like it's just like about a love story between these two characters, and I really like that that's sort of the way it goes about the situation. I mean, there's a lot in it. There's, a, you know, a big part that's, like, slightly coming of age for Elio, and he's, like, figuring out his sexu- his sexuality, and, and parts of the movie, he's, like, he has a girlfriend, and, um, you know, and you can tell that he's, like, not quite sure what to do about the situation because he's, like, also falling for Oliver at the same time, and, uh, and it's just, I don't know, it's just a really beautiful movie, and, like, I cried for the whole last, like, 20 minutes of it, and then as soon as we, like got out of the movie theater 
Patrick's like, oh, we need to go grocery shopping. And I was like, okay, can you, like, give me a minute to, like, pull myself together before we, like, move on to doing fucking errands? (laughs) Oh, my God. I totally thought you were going to say Patrick, like, took you in his arms and, like, just kissed you and you guys had a moment. No, we did not happen. He wanted to go fucking Uh, grocery shopping. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. What a softie. (laughs) Oh, my God. So that was... um, that was I'm really glad I got to see it though cuz it's like it's been out in theaters for like several months now and like at our in New Orleans I think it's literally only playing at one theater right now and it's literally only playing one time of day in that single theater so um it probably will be out of theaters by next week but on on a more pleasant note I for real thought we were going to be like the only people in the theater cuz it's been out for so long and it's only playing once but uh, the theater we went to was probably about 30 or 40 percent full so that was kind of nice to see like a lot of people there um you know despite the fact that it's been out for a while and it's kind of already like made the rounds in theaters but um yeah it's really really lovely really romantic uh i just enjoyed it a lot oh well that's good yeah i mean like i said it's not the kind of thing that i would probably go to the theater for because i mean just to be perfectly honest i'm not like the biggest fan of like romance movies like i'm not against them but I have so little free time that when I do actually sit down, I want to see, like, shit exploding and giant monsters and stuff just because that's how I swing. <laughs> but I would totally watch this. Like, I would totally watch this um, if the wife was in the mood or we wanted just, like, to, you know, if we were sitting at home and we we're like, oh, I don't feel like car chases. I feel like something, you know, dramatic or emotional. Like, this would totally be on our list. Like, I would, I could easily see us watching this. So I will keep you posted. Um, and I'm glad to hear that it's just, like, a romance story, you know, like just the story of two people falling in love. I mean, falling in love is such a human thing, such a universal thing. It's, I mean, you know, I am not the expert on gay romance and I wouldn't say that I'm an expert on romance in general, but I love seeing (laughs) just people, you know, like just people doing people things. And it's not, not having all these qualifiers or all these other different, um, you know, expectations or pressures put upon it. So it sounds, sounds like a win. I, you know, not like number one on my two C list, but I, I, I'm guessing I'll probably will see it probably later this year once it's on, uh, you know, for rental at home or something like that. Good. I would like you to report back if you ever watch it. I bet we probably will. I bet we probably will. All right, cool. What else on your agenda, man? You got anything else cooking? Uh, I think that's it for me. Just, you know, my gross face ring worm and then seeing gay romance movies. That's about it for me. All right, all right. Well, that was that's kind of spanned the whole kind of array of the so video games experiences. There, we got some biological functions, we got some emotional response, good banter content. I will change things up a little bit. Uh, I just have like some random, nothing huge this week. I, kind of a funny story, kind of a weird, weird funny story. My wife was um, doing laundry. Uh, we have a washer dryer in the apartment, which is great uh, because. I don't know if you've ever lived in a place that didn't have a built-in washer and dryer, but we have, and boy, that fucking sucks. So (laughs) having one is great. So she's in there, she's taking um, some clothes out of the dryer. And if you've ever taken clothes out of a dryer, I'm sure that you notice that there's like static electricity sometimes. People put in dryer sheets. I'm not convinced that those work. Um, My wife is real big on the eco-friendly kick right now. So she got these like dryer, dryer balls. It's like balls that are kind of fluffy. And you throw them in with your laundry and then they're supposed to like take care of the static. Totally doesn't work because that thing was like crackling. (laughs) So like she goes in there and she's taking stuff out of the dryer, right? And so I'm sneaking up behind her as I usually do. I'm going to grab her ass because I just do that sometimes. (laughs) Totally. We have this consent. So don't worry, listeners. It's not anything predatory. I mean, I'll grab her butt. She'll grab mine. We have this mutual kind of agreement. It just kind of happens randomly. So I'm like, I go up to her and I grab her butt, right? 
And at the same time, she's pulling clothes out of the dryer. And this is when, like, the static electricity starts crackling. <laughs> and so it goes, you can hear it. Like, you can literally, like, hear it really loud. It goes from the, the clothes in the dryer into my wife, through her butt, into my hand. And I got this, like, gigantic shock. But instead of jerking back, it made me squeeze her butt, like, harder because it was hitting my nerves. And she, she got scared, so she pulled... She didn't see me. She pulled the dryer. She pulled the clothes out of the dryer even more. That generated even more static. I couldn't let go of her ass. Like it was like I was stuck. I was like, <laughs> I kept getting shocked, and I was like, ow, 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 ow. And she, she <laughs> we, I was like, oh my god, I totally was like locked on your butt with like electricity. <laughs> oh man, that was the first time that has ever happened. And although it's really funny, I, I don't ever want that to happen again because I literally, <laughs> like, it was hurting and couldn't stop. It, <laughs> <laughs> anyway so that was um that was something something amusing that happened recently <laughs> this is that's like your superhero origin story right there <clears throat> <laughs> i shudder to think what my actual power is going to develop into <laughs> like that's basically how the flash got his powers right isn't that the yeah same pretty thing? much <laughs> basically the exact same thing so i guess it's not really too far of a stretch to imagine um if i start running really quickly or if i just like and magnetically attached to my wife's butt, I will let you know. <laughs> also, I'm going to sidestep any puns I could make about, like, your wife's ass being shocking or being hot or something. So, because I know if I don't make any comments, somebody's going to tweet us and be like, oh, missed opportunity. So, just so everybody knows, no, not not this week, no. The opportunity was noted, and it was, it was passed by intentionally, <laughs> so... <laughs> Other than that, not a whole lot going on. I've got some random stuff to talk about in the news bits when we get into the show. Oh, you know, actually, no, one more. That's not true. I started watching uh, season two of Jessica Jones. Did you ever see the first Jessica Jones? I, Patrick, this is how all of my TV show watching goes, except for Star Trek. Um, Patrick watched, I don't know if he watched all of it, but he watched a lot of it. And I was just sort of like in and around the room. So I caught like bits and pieces of it, but I never like sat down and devoted my entire attention to any of it. It's pretty good. You should watch it because it's it's the least superhero-y of some superhero shows that are on Netflix, I think. Um, because she's basically just like a PI who drinks a lot and has a <laughs> lot of casual sex and she has like a lot of emotional problems. I mean, she's also like a super because she's really strong and she can like sort of fly, but not really. Like she has like intermittent flying or something like that. But basically it's just like a female PI show for the most part. So it's pretty interesting. And uh, the guy, well, I'm totally blanking on his name. In the first season, the guy who played Dr. David Tennant. Do you know who David Tennant is? I do. So he played the bad guy <laughs> in uh, Jessica Jones season one. He did a pretty fantastic job of being the bad guy. Uh, he played... Um, I forget what his name was, but he was a character that was a really, really minor character that was taken from Marvel Comics, and they blew him up to be a bigger character. They did a great job with it. He was an amazing villain, because not only was he, like, fantastically psychotic and creepy, but he was also, like, really relatable, like, in in, in the sense that you could understand how he got to be how he was, and he wasn't just, like, a maniacal villain. Like, he was a human being who had problems, and that led into him becoming a villain, and, like, it like it totally made sense. Like, he did a great job. He was a great villain, and she did, was, did a great job as being Jessica Jones. So, season one was great. Season two just was released on Netflix, I want to say, earlier this week, or maybe last week, last Friday, maybe. And the wife and I 
have been scrambling trying to find time to watch it because it's not appropriate. We can't watch it when our son is awake. And so since my son is going to bed later and later and later because not only is springtime coming, but he's also getting older, it's leaving us with like less and less, less time that he's actually asleep, that we are also not asleep. So it's been tough, but I think we're maybe six episodes in and it's again, really good. Really good. I think uh, I think her name is Kristen Ritter. No, that's not right. Kristen. I think that's right. Is that right? Kristen Ritter? I think um, so. Yes. She does a great job, Jessica. <clears throat> uh, supporting cast is really strong. And it's not a very super show. I mean, a couple of super things happen, but basically it's about her. And she's kind of like digging into her past, trying to figure out why she's such a broken character and then how she relates to the other people that are going on. And uh, I mean, there's like a super powered killer and stuff, but it's not really like. This is I, w- I w- it feels like a stretch to call it a superhero show to me because I really feel like it's more about the characters and her being a detective and just like being a fucked up person and having problems and like how do you live your life when you're kind of broken inside and that kind of a thing. So I think it's a, a really good show. I would recommend it to you with season one. Start with season one. If you I mean, I'm sure you have all this free time to watch TV <laughs> and got nothing to do, nothing else going on, laying around, staring at the ceiling. But if you ever were in the mood, I would recommend it. And I would still recommend it even knowing that you're not really that big of a superhero fan. I It's definitely, <clears throat> I feel like I say this, especially every time we talk about like the uh, Marvel TV shows on here. Like, It's definitely a show that I'm interested in, but I just don't know that I'll ever sit down to like really watch it. But I mean, that being said, it has all of the makings of something that I love in a show because it's about like, a bad bitch like kicking ass and you know kind of like going about her daily life in like a cool leather jacket and a scarf and drinking whiskey and that's like all the things that I like um and plus like Carrie Ann Moss is in it and she's like fabulous so oh, she's so good she's so good I don't know if you know this but she actually appears in almost all of the uh various Netflix superhero shows um, something that if you haven't watched them, you may not know, but like, you know, like between Daredevil, Luke Cage, Iron Fist and Jessica Jones, the four Netflix hero shows, there are actually characters that cross uh, back and forth between all of those. Like, like not every hero shows up in every other hero show, but like Carrie Ann Moss, she plays a high powered lawyer uh, who represents Jessica Jones and works with her as a detective. But she also showed up and she she helped out Iron Fist for a while in a legal sense. I think she's she sparred with um, Daredevil, I think, in one of his series. So like, she's one of the characters that like, goes back and forth between all the shows. And so you actually get quite a bit of her uh, between all the episodes. I think Jessica Jones is her home series where she is on the most. But it is kind of neat to see uh, actors like her kind of pop up between all the other ones. Kind of gives the whole thing a very um, connected feeling. Kind of the same way that the MCU does on film, but in a, like, in a much smaller sense. But yeah, she's great. I love her. Uh, I do too. And not to like change the subject away from this, but speaking of Carrie and Moss, I actually just rewatched the matrix and the matrix reloaded like last, uh, I guess on Saturday night. Cause I was doing my, my Saturday nerdy routine of, uh, I bought a Gundam model kit and I like to watch movies while I put them together. And so I watched the matrix and I still hadn't finished the Gundam and I was like, well, why not put the matrix reloaded? And, and, uh, I, I know this isn't like a shocking, like stretch of, um, I don't know, like statement, but the matrix is still like an amazingly groundbreaking film, even though it's almost 20 years old. Like it's so fucking good, even to this day. And the matrix reloaded is still kind of silly, but it's like fine. And I've been meaning to watch the matrix revolutions again, now that I'm fresh on the first two, because I've only seen revolutions once 
And I know it was like kind of bad, but I want to reevaluate it because I haven't seen it in probably like 10 years. And um, I, I don't know. I'm just interested to like reevaluate the series from where I am now versus where I was when I was like 13. You know, it's funny you bring that up because when I first saw Karen Moss on Jessica Jones, I didn't even realize that it was the same lady from the matrix like i mean of course like looking back on it i'm like oh right 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 like i just didn't just didn't put together like who she was uh but i actually did watch the matrix last summer Rewatched it last summer with my uh oldest son you're right man it totally holds up it's really good it still is a really good movie uh i i've i've seen the second one i think once and i don't remember liking it that much i never saw the third one because everybody told me it was a complete shit show and i was like <laughs> uh i don't want to uh I don't want to ruin my memories of the first Matrix, but the first Matrix is really good. Is really good. So, total side note: I got if I could just be like a um, chauvinist pig for a second. Um, <laughs> Carrie Ann Moss is like she's like totally like not like my type of lady, but she's like sexy as fuck she is on Jessica Jones. Oh my god! Isn't, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but doesn't she play a lesbian on Jessica Jones? She does. Oh my god, <laughs> she does. She's like this super high powered lesbian, but like. Just the way that she carries herself, like she's just, um, she is fucking in control and she is in charge <laughs> and she is this lawyer and she wears these suits and she's just like, like I'm totally like not, I don't like really swing that way, I guess. Or maybe, I guess maybe part of me does, I suppose. But like, <laughs> I just see her and she's older. I mean, in that show, she's like, uh, I don't know, late 50s or something like that. God, she looks so good, dude. I'm like, oh my God, you were the hottest thing on this show. Ah, make me melt, dude. Ah, so good. Anybody listening who's into, older powerful white ladies boy that's your jam right there she is she's bringing it on that show uh <laughs> glad my wife doesn't listen to this show <laughs> uh what else am i going to talk about uh i went to comic-con last week i didn't bring it up because we just got wrapped up in other things but um went to the emerald city comic-con always a good show not a lot to report um i think really the biggest thing that to take away i mean it's always a good show we saw lots of stuff i you know, I bought a hat, I bought a Resident Evil hat when I was there, which is kind of funny story. So I bought this hat. It's a, a black beanie that had the, the umbrella logo on it. And I'm like, oh, cool. I like umbrella. I'll put this on and wear this hat. Plus my head is bald, so my head's always cold. So I got to have a multi <laughs> multitude of hats around. So I bought this hat and then like I went to work and it was like uh, I was going to work at this place that had nothing to do with games, nothing to do with comics or anything like that. And I, it's like two o'clock in the morning when I get there because I work odd hours and I get there and I walk in and this receptionist is there. She's probably like this 50 year old black lady and I had never met her before. So I walk in and I'm like, oh, hey, it's me. I'm Brad. I'm here to do this job. And she's like, I love your hat. And I'm like, <laughs> what? And it took me a minute to remember what I was wearing. I'm like, umbrella. She's like, I love Resident Evil. And I'm like, whoa, OK, oh, wow. right on, right on, lady. So that was kind of an interesting little um occurrence that i wouldn't have expected but yeah i got the resident evil hat that was really cool um the only other thing that i think of is like my son my youngest son is eight he's gonna be nine very soon and he loves cosplay but we've never gone to a cosplay contest at the comic con because i i'm not sure that he'd be able to sit through the entire thing i mean <laughs> i mean it's, it's it's interesting to see costumes but you know there's the judging and then you gotta wait for people to you know take their turn and then it's crowded and it's like, I'm not sure that he would really be cut out for it. But I think we're getting to the age where maybe, maybe like next year, we'll maybe get some tickets and maybe give it a shot. Because what we usually do is we just like, we, you know, walk around the floor. We look at the toys. We look at the comics. We look at shirts and stuff. 
We see the different costumes as people are walking the floor, but we don't really go to panels because he wouldn't sit through a panel. And we don't go to the cosplay contest because I just didn't think he could sit through it. But I think we're almost there. And I really, really want to do that because uh, even though my wife and I don't really dress up, he likes to dress up. And we both are really interested in like the makeup and the costume design aspect. We've done that a few times. And I would be, I always love seeing a really well-made piece or just seeing like the cool things people come up with. I think it's really creative and fun. So hopefully we're going to turn that corner pretty soon and we will eventually at some point be able to go to the cosplay contest the next time we go to the Comic-Con. But we'll see. We'll see. Um, other than that, just a quick shout out to um, a movie. Did I talk about Apollo 13 last time we did the show? You did not. I did not. Okay, good. It's kind of hard to remember where I've talked about things or not. Um, have you ever seen Apollo 13, the movie? I have not. Okay. So my son is super, super, super into astronauts right now. Wants to be an astronaut. He's playing Kerbal Space Program for like 10 <laughs> hours a day because like he just loves like launching things and learning about orbit and learning about how space works and all this kind of stuff. He's all about, he's already talking about he's going to move to Cape Canaveral in Florida and he's going to join up and he's going to, you know, like all this stuff, which is cool. We're totally behind it. Um, hopefully there will be a space program in the future if Trump doesn't totally dismantle the whole thing. So we'll see what happens. But he's all about it. He's all about it. So I'm like, oh, you know, we should watch. We should watch Apollo 13 uh, because we've actually gone through a lot of the space documentaries that are on Netflix. And we, I think we've seen some on like Amazon or something. And like, you know, we're kind of like running out of space documentaries to watch. So I'm like, OK, well, let's just watch a dramatic movie. And this will, you know, encapsulate a lot of the same themes. And plus, hopefully it'll be a little more exciting for you, et cetera, et cetera. So we watch Apollo 13, and this was, I'm pretty sure this is one that was directed by Ron Howard um, a while ago. I'm pretty sure it won some awards. Basically, this is the true story of something that actually happened uh, in the Apollo space program. This was when we were kind of in the space race with Russia, and we wanted to get astronauts on the moon. So this was the first mission that was supposed to go to the moon. And again, this is actual fact. This is not, this is not fiction. So... They have these astronauts, they train them up, they got the rocket, they got the moon landing pod, they get the whole thing set, set, launch it into space, and then, like, something happens in space, like, one of their oxygen tanks um, has, like, a ruptured seal or something, and it fucking explodes when they're in space, and so the whole thing is, becomes, like, this giant, like, panic, because it, there's no, there's literally no way to go save them if they can't come back, they're in space between the Earth and the moon, they're losing oxygen, they're losing power, and everybody in there is like, oh, shit, they're going to just die and float in space forever. So the movie is all about what happens. Like these guys in the capsule have to, like, figure out what they can do to save their lives. The people back at NASA, back on Earth, are going through all these different scenarios. And, like, when you I mean, so it's not a spoiler to say that they, they survive because it's fact. I mean, this happened like 50 years ago or whatever. So it's not like, a, you know, it, I'm not ruining anything for anybody because I, I assume people know that this happened or if you. Google it for two seconds. You'll find out this happened. But I mean, the, the exciting part is like all of the steps they had to go through, because if I if I listed out every single thing they had to do to survive, which actually happened again, actually happened. Fact, you would be like, that is the most bullshit story I've ever heard. None of this stuff would happen. That's too many coincidences. That's no way that was too far fetched. And like it is so like ridiculous, like everything that people did back at NASA, how they were trying to like figure out how they could reroute power to the batteries and this other thing. And they had these people working around the clock to figure it out. And they had to replace an air filter that was the wrong shape inside the capsule. And how were they going to jury rig that to make it fit? And then these guys had to like coordinate between like, you know, what they were doing and back on earth. I mean, it was just like, it was like all these crazy, crazy, like super long shot coincidences that you would think would never happen. It would never work. 
It's too unlikely. These guys are going to die for sure. But they totally fucking survived. And like, I was like, oh my God, this is like the most amazing story. Like, I can't believe these fuckers actually live. Like, it seemed like they could have died at least 10 times over during the movie, you know, running out of oxygen, running out of power, freezing. One guy was like super sick. And it was like, you know, they had to get back to earth and their trajectory was wrong. It was possible they were going to burn up on reentry. And like, there's like all these fucking things that could have happened. And they totally like survived. And it was just like this most like, amazing like story of like overcoming these crazy odds and like how people can like you know bind together and work together and find solutions for things that seem like impossible problems but when we work together and focus and we all have the same common goal um i mean it's just it was just like the most amazing thing and it was even more amazing because it was like actually real like these guys literally did all this stuff they actually took transcripts uh, and actual recordings from NASA, from from when it was happening, and put those in the movie. All the stuff that the people said that was um, during the back and forth when they were talking to ground control, all that was like literal quotes that they actually said when they did that. So like a lot of this movie, 100% fact. I mean, it was like mind-blowing how dramatic and crazy this was, and yet it was still a true story. So uh, I thought it was pretty fantastic. I hadn't seen it for a long time, and I had forgotten like how crazy it was. And rewatching it, I'm like, this is the most mind blowing story ever. It's like I cannot believe this happened. So, anyway, um, Apollo 13 definitely recommended if you're interested in space or if you just want to see like a good, you know, kind of a feel good overcoming this incredible problem kind of a thing. And uh, I do feel bad because those guys um, did not make it to the moon. They were supposed to be the people who who touched down, and we would have all remembered them as the first people bouncing around and having those quotes. Uh, but instead, it was the very next, I think it was Apollo 14, that made it to the moon. So I feel bad for those guys. They didn't get their moment in time, but they did survive, so I guess that's a pretty fair trade-off. So. <laughs> anyway, anyway, that's all I got this week, man. You got any other uh, tidbits you want to share? I don't think so. All right, dude, I think we should probably talk about some games. What do you think? I think we should do that. All right, man, let's talk about some games. <laughs> <laughs> 